Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I guess uh, welcome everybody to the Strickland's First Trade Deadline video cast. I'm joined by my co-host for this, Jeffrey Rasmussen. That's at Frank Barrett 119 on Twitter. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, huge news in the net sixer. So happy. I'm excited to just get into it. Yeah, that should be fun. Uh, and we are joined by our commander in chief, uh, the head dictator, uh, the authoritarian leader of the Strickland, Alex Wolf. Alex, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah. We just decided to go live literally on the spot like 15 minutes early because of this hardened news. So, you know, why not? Yeah. I'm here until I get summoned to go, you know, do my locked on duties or whatever. So, you know, hopefully the Knicks are coming Assuming up. Assuming the Knicks make a trade. Assuming the Knicks make a trade. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I think I'm recording a pod regardless, you know, because then it'll just be like, what were they doing? What were they doing? Everything sucks. I hate, I hate life. Ugh. It seems like there's going to be no, like, it feels like the Knicks are going to, there's no way there's consensus happy fan base. That's what I'm getting from Twitter. It's like everybody on every side is going insane. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know how everyone or even like a majority is going to be appeased after today. Real quick, before we talk about Harden, can, can I just throw my comparison out there? I feel like the people that are overvaluing Cam Reddish right now, I feel like the Venn diagram has to have a huge overlap with people that love Alonzo Trier when Cam Reddish, or, you know, when Trier was here. Versus who's like super overvaluing Cam Reddish now at this point. Yeah, like the thing is, the thing is, I like, um, I like Reddish uh, in the sense of like, I actually don't know. Oh, by the way, the the second pick that they're trading is a protected 2027 first round pick. So not exactly the most thrilling deal ever. Um, But like the Reddish thing is so weird because. I mean, me and James talked about this on a pod like two weeks ago where, I mean, are we sure they traded for Reddish because they love him or did they trade for Reddish because, yeah, he has some interesting tools and maybe you know that there are teams in the NBA that really like him way more than you do and you can get him at a decent price that you think you can recoup or maybe even like get more of down the line. And, um, you know, like I don't understand like why the fuck is anybody shocked that uh, he wasn't untouchable in trade talks. Like, yeah, it. why would they not? Like, he's not a franchise player, you know? Like, it's it's pretty normal that he wouldn't be uh, fucking untouchable. Who cares? It's fucking Cam Reddish. People need to get the fuck over it. Like, it's fine. Trade talks happen all the time. He was included. He's a fucking big boy. I'm sure he can handle it, and he'll be, you know, if he fails in New York, it's not going to be because... Leon Rose picked up the fucking phone and listened to a few trade offers for Cam Reddish. It's like the ultimate Knicks fan paradox where we simultaneously overvalue our players, but then all we can talk about is how much everyone sucks. Like no Nick, no Nick should have been untouchable besides RJ. In my opinion, I don't think a single Nick, like if somebody is willing to overpay for Cam Reddish, yeah, it was exciting when we got him. I agree with you 100%. Like, I'm actually higher on him than I'd imagine most are. Um, or maybe not higher, but, like, more excited. I want I want him to have a chance in New York. Well, you're always, you've always been pretty big about, like, like, betting on tools over necessarily production for younger players, I think. For sure. 
Um, and Cam is like, I think he's super toolsy. Like in terms of like a ceiling he's shown, we saw it last year in the playoffs. We saw him guard Middleton. We saw some of the stuff he can do on offense. Like the big question for him is, can he put it together and do it consistently? And I think he should be given that chance to, to do that. And I would be excited to see it happen in New York, but it would be insane for Leon Rose to be like, no, we can't, we can't trade him. They, he's untouchable. Like that's just stupid. I, I, I don't get, I don't there, get there's that nobody on this roster all. that's good enough to like justify, you know, like I, I, that's, I just don't think there's like, who is on the roster that you're like, oh yeah, like he can't fucking have this guy in here. Oh, look who it is. Look who the, the fucking, what do you call it? The, the storm drug in or whatever the fuck that saying is. It's Prez. Look at the cat drug Prez. In. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> is Prez alive? Yeah, I Prez, can't hear this. I think he's on mute. Oh, there he is. Prez, speak words, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I, I yeah, I, to go back to the cam thing, like, he is toolsy. He does have a high ceiling. The floor is low. Like, the floor, I mean, we've seen it, I think, so far in the two games where he got legit stretches. Um, like, you can see why the impact metrics and the efficiency and all that stuff isn't there with him. Like it's not at a high level for him because he's just quite frankly, like he tries to do too much, you know, like he has an idea of what he is as in his head as a player. And I think that like kind of gets in the way of, Hey, like maybe you'd be better off doing less and then we can build you out. Like we can build out from there. But yeah, I mean the key with him, I think really is like, can you establish a foundation? And when you establish that foundation, then you can start adding all the cool, like star type shit that he wants to be doing. And that, uh, that pokes its head out on defense too. If you, I, I, I assume you watched the nuggets game and he had a couple of really nice defensive possessions, including that one where he like, he stripped the ball handler, didn't get the ball and then got back into play and then used his length to, uh, get a steal and it's like that was a really flashy defensive play that sort of showcased why he can be a good defender but over the totality of the game he wasn't a good defender like he was getting lost and you know like so you can see why with a freaking maniac like Tibbs he'll frustrate him because he's just not consistently you, you don't consistently know what you're going to get from him but he also is very capable and and has as you said the tools to he, he can be a really good defender. It's just a matter of whether he's going to get there or not. Yeah, I think my, my thing with the Reddish thing, and I've been saying this, like, I think I said this on Locked on Knicks too, like, if ultimately all Reddish ends up being is just a way to kick assets down the line a little bit, like, if they if they manage to turn that protected Charlotte pick into a lightly protected Lakers pick, you know, and, you know, they, they just sort of serve as the middleman for the deal that the Lakers couldn't, you know, make happen with the Hawks, then, I mean, I'd be fine with that. I, you know, so far, I think it's hard to judge what Reddish has done on the Knicks so far, because he's obviously like very much over trying to like show that he belongs in the rotation right now. And I think that's led to some of those, those, you know, weird mid range shots and, and sort of uncomfortable looking attempts he's taking, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not super sold on him. Obviously, I I could see the potential, but I do worry that, you know, a lot of what I heard from Hawks fans when I talked to them right after the trade was like, he feels himself a little too much. Like, 
the fact that he was talking about like I want to be more featured and this that and the other is a smidge worrisome you know when it's like well what have you done to justify being potentially like this first or second or whatever option you want to be considered um and so I think the skill set is there I wonder where his mindset is and and how that's going to affect the rest of his NBA career whether that's with the Knicks or or if he literally gets traded three weeks after being on the Knicks and ends up somewhere else it'll be intriguing to see where he ends up because there's a reason that he was you know the number one high school recruit by a lot of guys in a class with RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson and others. Uh, and that's because, because they're definitely racist has... against Canadians. Yeah, obviously. Yes. Wait, <laughs> is that the... <laughs> yes? Because they wanted to put him over, over uh, RJ right, right at the end, just to, uh, just to stick it to Canada. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's clearly got the talent, you know, I, I, it's just, it'll be how he can put it together, whether that's the Knicks or somewhere else, but I wouldn't fault them if they sort of just treated this as a, transactional thing where because we've seen them do this before where they acquire first round picks and then just did it last year for example with getting that charlotte pick just kind of kicked the can down the line and said you know what we're not ready to move this just yet so we'll just make a move that lets us stretch this asset a little further till we feel that we really need it uh so if they do that with cam you know it would be a little weird maybe a smidge disappointing but ultimately not the end of the world to me i think That, uh, that might, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. ahead. I just wanted to say, and yes, that is a house phone ringing. We have a house phone here somehow, um, (laughs) which nobody, nobody has anymore. Back to the future, Um, man. (laughs) Um, that, that, I just, this is a quick comment. That, that mindset thing that, that you were just talking about, Alex, is so funny to me because it's so, um, I feel like fans are, and I'm not saying you're wrong, uh, but I do think like, fans are kind of results oriented with it in the, in terms of like, if a player is not that good, or even if he's just like average and he like feels himself too much, it's seen as like this, Oh, like this is a bad thing. It's like, I can't do a team. Then you got a guy like Kobe who like, that's what made him Kobe, you know, like that's why he was so awesome. He was just like, I'm the fucking man. And you can't, you're like, so like, it's such a thin line, but it's like, if cam ever makes it and like reaches his potential, all of a sudden that mentality is going to go from it's what's keeping him from being a a passable role player and staying on the floor to it's what could make him a really freaking good player, you know? So it's like, it's such a thin line in my opinion, when you're, when you're talking about a mentality like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm with you on the can thing. Like I do. Uh, okay, let's see if Prez is actually able to. <laughs> Prez, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. But I can hear an echo, so put your headphones in. Why isn't my fucking headphones working? All right. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I think the reddish thing is so weird because I. What the fuck? I can't hear my echo. It's so annoying. I just I just um, press for a moment until he gets those headphones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like the the reddish thing is so weird because yeah, I understand. I mean, people want this shit to be like linear. Like, oh, well, you get Cam, and therefore Cam is now clearly an integral part of your future. And I just don't see it like that. Like, I don't think that's how the league operates. I don't think. Uh, I don't think team building works like that. Like, 
I mean, look, let's go back to this. Um, there was a report. I think Jake Fisher had it. I don't know if he reported it like actually in writing or if he just said it in a green room. But he talked about how um, the Knicks had offered Fournier in a first for Levert. And I mean, look, I'm assuming that was like a lotto protected first because what he ended up going for was a lotto protected first and then a high second, right? I think that's what the overall deal was basically. Um, but like, I don't really have a problem with that for a few reasons, right? Like, people will be like, well, see, they're just trying to, like, use an asset to get up and get off of the table. And, um, Jesus. Press. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, Press. But, like, like I don't view it like that. What I think happened is probably, um, look, Fournier has, I don't think he's actually been that terrible for us. I don't think he's been great. I don't think he's been terrible. He's been shooting fucking lights out. I think spacing that he provides has value, even if it's not the value we hoped and impact we expected, maybe. Um, but like I view that as they're looking at this team and how often do we watch this team? And like, yeah, we can sit here and bitch about Tibbs's coaching, his strategies, rotations, blah, blah, blah. But like there is, without Derek Rose especially, there's a fundamental lack of dribble penetration on this team. Like there are not guys that can get into the paint consistently without a screen, right? Like we can sit here and say RJ Barrett is getting into the paint a lot more, but how often does he do that without needing a screen, right? Like he always needs to get a screen and get, and have that to create separation. And that's okay. But like, uh, geez, uh, press trying to get in here from the window. <laughs> press, what is going on, bro? Oh, uh, man. But like I don't I don't know I just I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Like I think is Levert the end game of your team building? No. But like he serves a purpose for you right now. Because what we what did we see with Derrick Rose, right? When we got Derrick Rose, he automatically not just lifted the team, but he helped slot guys into roles that made sense for them, right? Like he helps position your young players and stuff like that in in situations that are actually optimal for their development. And does that mean I don't want Emmanuel quickly ever playing point guard? No, that's not what that means. But I do think that like he benefits from not having to do that at all times when he plays. And I think Rose gives you a dribble penetration threat that nobody else gives you. Um, does that mean I don't want Obi Toppin getting post oppor- post up opportunities? No, but I also think that like Rose activates Obi in a pretty unique way on this roster. Um, and I think that's what like Levert was. He was an end. He, he's not like the final step, but he's like, okay, do we like this guy adding this contract for what he gives us? You know, if you look at Levert's numbers, he's not like some fucking advanced stats all-star or something, but he averages like 15 or 16 drives per game. I think in uh less minutes than RJ, he like, he he's, he gets into the paint consistently and he's a big guard at that does it right he's like six five so um we know tibbs likes big guards we know that he really wants a dribble penetration guy uh, i just view that as like a stepping stone to eventually maybe move for a guy but like that's kind of the same view i take on the reddish deal where it's like it was an opportunity that presented itself at a price the knicks thought you know what this isn't that much and like that it's worth the it's worth rolling the dice on him as a prospect. And we think like, if he does develop, we can probably get more value for him down the line. Um, So I don't really see a problem with it. And I think that like, in that sense, maybe an opportunity presented itself with the Lakers being interested in him that you can't ignore. Like he's not so good that you can't, you have to ignore that. Right. Like it's not like you traded for 
fucking James Harden or some shit like these, like the Sixers did, right? Like you traded for Cam Reddish. So if the Lakers call you up and they're like, hey, we'll give you fucking the 2027 first unprotected and you're in talk to Toronto and they're talking about throwing some draft capital your way also, like you have to listen. That's just the business. Like if you don't listen, then you can miss out on opportunities. I mean, who the fuck thought Halliburton was available, right? Like we wouldn't have known that, but the Pacers clearly like talked and found and figured out like, hey, actually we can get Halliburton for Sabonis. Maybe this is worth our time. So like if you don't take calls, like you just never get those opportunities. So I, I'll never criticize a front office or a GM or an executive for listening to trade offers. Like that is the fucking job, man. Like if you're not doing that, you're just not doing your job. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I mean, you uh, know, I, I... all right. The Celtics just traded for Derek White, by the way, somehow. Oh, we still haven't even talked about the the Harden trade yet. Should we talk about that? What was the Derek White trade? It was literally it's Josh Richardson for Derek White. So I don't understand that at all. Does Derek that White make like... less money? That's like a salary dump, right? Yeah, right. Doesn't doesn't Derek White make less money than Josh Richardson? Richardson makes like fifteen million dollars, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he's he's an expiring contract though, Richardson. So Derek White, that's pretty good for Boston. I kind of like that. It's the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Six, is giving new customers fifty six to one odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. That's for ages 21 plus. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void were prohibited. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- Seven eight nine seven 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 seven, or visit ccpg.org/chat. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope and Y, or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Good for Boston. Yeah, Derek good White. I don't want to fucking say good for Boston. Fuck them. But I, yo, I'll say this. That's he's better trade. than fucking bum-ass Josh Richardson. <laughs> well, I agree, but that's my point is like that's a trade. If you want to criticize the Knicks, I'll give you that one because that's a trade you should be in on. Derek White moved for basically an expiring contract. I have a hard time believing you couldn't top that offer with anything you have. Um, and Derek White is a solid playmaking guard. Uh, I think he would help this team a lot. So, yeah, I, I don't know that that one is. 
that's that's tough, man. I don't know what the Knicks are doing exactly, but you know, to miss out on that is pretty rough. Maybe yeah, there's there, a pick involved because Yeah, White would have been a pretty nice ad. I mean, I don't know, like Richardson, yeah, he hasn't been having that good of a year, has he? Like been shooting like that. They're really they're really some like white, like he can sort of make plays. He's not really driving a lot. He can shoot in theory, but he's been shooting like donkey dick for a long time now. He's been really good at defense, so maybe it's a first round like, pick going out, by the way. From Boston? I would assume from Boston, right? Yeah, Boston's trading out of first. Okay, oh, okay, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. See, I wouldn't do that because suddenly I would not do that deal. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I would I would still I would still do that deal. I would do that deal. You're, you're not our first, but we have a D- Dallas pick. I would do that deal. The shooting don't worry you. I think this team needs dribble penetration and playmaking way more than we need to worry about is, shooting. Is, is he? Does he get? I, I legit don't know. Does he drive like that? I thought he was more of a three and D kind of like uh, take caretaker point guard, not really a rim pressure guy. Like come, he's not like, like, he's, he's not like, he's not like Murray getting to the paint, but he he definitely gets into the paint some. Let me, he's five point six assists per game this year. He can definitely pass. Um, five. Yeah, I mean, I I, agree. I just think that like. I don't know, man. I I really think that like at some point you got to roll the dice on a on a playmaking guard. It doesn't need to be the best one available or the guy who is like you don't need to necessarily trade for the. He's guy. like a quickly level. But I really think though. this team needs somebody. Is he that much of a better like driver playmaker than quick than quickly? But you can get him without giving up quickly. Like, why would I not want two of them? And I do think he's a better. I think right now he's definitely clearly a better. Yeah, he's definitely uh, better able yeah. to get into the paint. Word. I mean, he's averaging twelve drives per game this year and thirty minutes per game. So like that's decent. Know. Yeah. And 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 to be fair to like your concerns about him, he is sharing the floor with Dejounte Murray, who like is the primary a lot and scrambles defenses more so than White does. So maybe he benefits from that. Um, but yeah. Wait, earlier, about... you... sorry, yeah, he's sorry. like less than twenty. He's like sixteen percent of his shots at the zero to three. So that's that's all right. That's like I, I don't think he's meaningfully changing the rim pressure equation for the Knicks, but he's he'd be our best perimeter defender, which is saying something. So real quick, Tommy Beer says, I, I, "Sorry, this is just real confusing." That this this just came. apparently Brian Windhorse, uh, Tommy Beer was just like uh, uh, transcribing this. Windhorse says one reason the Nets acquired Andre Drummond with the Sixers is because they're looking to flip Nick Claxton along with possibly the two first round picks they hit from Philly in the next 90 minutes before the deadline arrives. Flip for what? That's yeah, for what, what I'm what? Like, Eric Gordon. <laughs> uh, well, and also Nick Claxton makes like I mean, $5, doesn't he? Like, what are you going to, what's well, no, no, but, but they'll around? attach, they'll attach Joe Harris. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Because Harris is out, so yeah, and he's yeah. he's got so some, Harris, some, some Harris, team should jump on that, right? Like Harris yeah, is the good. fucking Nick Claxton should jump on that. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we sending? Sure. Who the fuck Fournier? are we sending? Yeah, Fournier. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Let... That would be the ultimate. Fleece. Let me let me just get mad about the Knicks a little bit. No, look, like uh, okay. I, I, I... The white thing doesn't, I guess it doesn't, I, I don't hate it now that like Boston is trading out of first too, but like, I just feel like we're sitting here whole, like, I, 
I would rather trade. I would rather give up a future asset for a player that I think can materially help us on the floor right now than hoard it because we're waiting for the day that Donovan Mitchell or fucking Devin Booker or somebody is going to request a trade. And like, I just, I don't like this. But it has to be like, it can't be like, Derek White is, to me is too close to the shit we already have. And that's great to have more of it because it's not a bad thing, but it's not. It's not filling the hole. It's just like random talent acquisition, which is it so, would be bad, but like that's not. So let me let me, me. So let me let me then throw this back at you, like because we talked a little bit about Karis Levert, but you think Levert is materially different than Derek White? Then oh yeah, oh yeah, they're way different players. But Levert, what Levert's good at is the rim pressure, like in a real way. And he like like White is solid at getting to the rim. He's not afraid of the rim like some guys are. But I don't think he's gonna bend the defense and create out of his okay. drives. You know, mm. he's not you know, super I, that, explosive. That's a, yeah. <laughs> he's legit, yeah. and I don't think he's a thirty percent shooter or whatever he was shooting this year. Like he's definitely better than that. So he, he's legit. It'll be good in Boston, even though it'll. It they're kind of in a, some way looking for the same thing, right? Like that's what that's the one. Like he's definitely better than fucking schroeder or whatever on the whole i feel like but now what are you gonna do have marcus smart and white and nobody's driving except for the jason the jays like i the defense is great well, sure, i guess but, but it, it gives you more of a connector though right like so definitely. when tatum and brown do their thing like mm-hmm. and kick out like white can he can like multiply oh, yeah. that advantage he won't yeah. just be like you know i mean we see this the knicks all the time right like Say whatever mm-hmm. we want about Julius, but how many times do you like see him draw a double kick out <laughs> and then fucking Fournier will like pump fake? And I'm just like, bro, like, wh- wh- what did that do for us? Now we got to reset this entire motherfucking possession and we got to watch your whack slow ass try to like cross some dude up and probably get your shit picked. Um, I don't know. I just needed to slander Fournier, I guess, because that was really <laughs> unnecessary. Look, uh, I mean, I mean, everybody knows I'm like Fournier apologist number one, but like, I. I, they should def- I'm sure they're looking for 48 trades, but like it's I feel like I, I I'll say I'll save this for another time. I don't want to go on my 48 defense rant right now. Damn, save. The street's too hot right now. I can't I can't I gotta let things cool <laughs> off a little bit. <laughs> I guess we're all right. No, but let's let's get back to the Harden thing. Pod Strickland, right? Yeah, the Harden thing. Yeah. Uh well, yeah, let's, let's do Alex. Alex, you're you're yeah. all about this trade, so yeah, Joel Embiid just tweeted out the uh, R.I.P. Bozo <laughs> showed up to my my haters' biggest funeral or my biggest haters' funeral to make sure he was really dead. Uh, image, which was amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, I thought that the freaking Nets. Uh, honestly, I thought the Nets cleaned up in this trade. Like, I don't know how they managed to talk Maury into this huge of a package, but like. They get, what was it? Uh, they get final, I, mean, I got to scroll so many damn tweets to find the final package here. They so wind it's, up it's, getting... it's, it's Simmons, Curry, uh, Drummond, the 2022 first, and then the 2027 first, which is protected. I think it's lottery protected. I'm not sure exactly though. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think that's kind of a haul for the Nets, as much as I hate to give them credit. Like for the situation turning south as quickly as it did, you know, with, with Harden, which is just insane. I mean, I've... The Sixers just became, I mean, I like Embiid, but the Sixers just became extremely unlikable just by adding Harden. Um, not that the Nets became more likable, but 
I mean, they, to get Curry out of that, I feel like that was kind of the steal of that. The two first round picks are great, but like to get Curry in addition to Simmons, I think is is pretty impressive. Like I think that he's going to fit really well with what they're doing. You know, they they need another shooter. You know, and now he sort of replaces Joe Harris in that role of being able to get like. 18 to 20 points well, they, a game shooting well from three. Patty, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Spider-Man meme. I mean, they could also <laughs> flip one of those guys now too. Yeah. You know, yeah, like it's not, it's not outrageous that, that you would trade like Curry has value in trade for sure. There are definitely teams that would take him. Um, yeah. So they just turn into a three teamer real quick to... before the deadline. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause it's definitely not official now if they're still talking about like, potentially flipping Claxton and all this other mm-hmm. shit. Right. So I'm sure. Yeah. I, they're not, I don't think they're done. I think they probably, I'm, you know what? They're probably going to try to get Jeremy Grant. Right. Isn't that like ultimately what the move is? Yeah. That would be a fun non-shooting combo. <laughs> can you imagine Jeremy Grant and Ben Simmons? You add that to their lineup. Jeremy can like fake shoot. Yeah. He can fake shoot, but emphasis on fake this year. I mean, I like <laughs> Grant, but he's really not shooting good this year. Yeah. That's because he's fucking playing with a bunch of bumps. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm, I mean, su- I'm surprised the uh, I'm surprised the Sixers didn't ask for even just like Mills. Like, how do they they have no what shooting do they have on their team next to next to Harden and Bead? Now they've got they still got Harris. They've got Danny Green. I guess they've got Harris Green, Maxi. Those three forty percent shooters, right? For, for, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like you I feel like you still want like. Someone with better. I, I don't see Harris. And Harden and, can shoot. Yeah, but Harden's gonna have the ball all the time. Like that's what Harden does. Harden doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's the whole. That's the whole reason he didn't work in Brooklyn. He probably got sick of like having to share the ball at all. Which is why I'm surprised that, to Alex's point, that the Nets got as good a package as they did. I don't get like what leverage they had. Everyone knew Harden wanted out. He hasn't been really that good this year. And Harden, like, sorry to interrupt, Harden has proven to, like, to be potentially even a worse situation than Simmons, because Simmons at least has the decency to not show up, period. Whereas, like, Harden (laughs) would literally show up, go on a basketball court for you, and, like, just take a dump on the court. And he would have done that for the whole rest of the year for the Nets, I feel like. You know, so, like, they had, I don't think they had any leverage either, to your point, but sorry, you can go ahead. No, it's just, yeah, I just feel like you need... With, with, with a guy like Harden who carries the usage he does, and I, I feel like you need someone with more pure three-point shooting gravity. Um, I don't see Danny Green and Tobias Harris as those guys. Like, I I, I agree with you, Prez, that they can shoot, and they are, they're fine shooters. I, I, I'm not saying they're bad shooters. It's just I'm probably being a little bit too nitpicky here. But with the lack of leverage, I, I just – I really hate that they gave up Seth Curry, and I think they're going to – they're going to regret not having someone like Curry. But someone like Curry is definitely helpful and they're they definitely have some depth questions but like that lineup of Maxi, Harden, Harris, Embiid and who would the the fifth person be? Um, Danny Green probably. Danny Green like beyond that there's not much shooting but like Maxi's a pretty good spot up shooter. He just was handling the ball more than he should have because Ben Simmons was fucking twiddling his dick at home. So like <laughs> let let Maxi shoot. Let Maxi shoot off the catch. He's really good at it. Um his volume is low, but that's because he's 
he was the penetrating guard for them, which is great. He can do that at age twenty, but like now Harden can actually do that. I I love I love that heart the trade is like it's like two superstars and Prez's angle is so draft oriented about how it can impact Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> let's talk let's talk about this deal's <laughs> impact on Tyrese Maxey and, and Kessler Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> and Isaiah Joe, don't forget Isaiah Joe. Um not I like will most I certainly think... forget Isaiah Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you like him though, right? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I will say this: like I think that Simmons, I don't, I don't the Nets thing. Like they got a decent, they got a good package. Like the, there's, they got the best that they could do. I think in this scenario. So shout out to them. But one, I don't want to hear anybody pretending this is some like fucking amazing job by Sean Marks. This is obviously a failure. Um, he's he, he's this is a decent pivot though. So whatever congrats to him fucking loser um but i will say like for the sixers i mean look i don't think harden is anywhere near as good as he's been i've been saying this all year prez knows for like the first 20 games of the season i was telling i was sending him like harden's drive stats every single game um so like i I definitely don't think he's the same guy and i've been on that shit all year but um i mean as much of a playoff choke as harden has been at various points like He's clearly an upgrade on Simmons, and I think in the playoffs, like I'll still bet on Harden this year in the in the playoffs over whatever Simmons and Seth Curry are giving me. And I don't give a shit about the picks. The pick this year, especially, I don't give a fuck about at all. I mean, that pick doesn't matter because as soon as it's out the door, you still got twenty twenty three to deal. You still got twenty twenty five to deal. So Maury still has ammo to, to make moves down the line. Um, and like, let's be real. I mean, this team still has plenty of fucking shooting. You've got Harden, you got Maxi, you got Tobias Harris, who I think he's had a down year, but I still think he has gravity as a shooter. Um, you know, they 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 have they're fine. Danny Green is still there, who's like the timeless fucking forty percent shooter somehow from three. Where's Mike Scott? Uh, yeah, Mike Scott, bring him back. Uh they should trade for Alec Brooks, by the way, and give us a first round pick. Um Yo, but like would actually honestly the sense. Sixers <laughs> I feel like the Sixers open up as a destination now, sort of. I mean that they maybe wouldn't have been before trading Seth Curry. Yeah, cheap bench shooting. Yeah, do they that. have a contract to match though? I don't know if they have a contract. Um, That's a problem, right? Let me um, take a look but yeah, I mean, look, like this is my thing with Mike Scott. Like, they have to trade him. They got to trade him. Like, it just got to. Like, there's so many teams that could. He's a fucking forty percent three point shooting wing who plays defense. Like, is he amazing? No, but he's fucking solid. Like, he can play in a playoff rotation for sure. Um, and he's played in Philly before, by the way. So whatever that's worth. But like, yeah, I mean, they've got they've got to make they they have to make a Burks trade happen. I can understand you can't trade Noel, you can't trade Kemba. Um, I understand that shit. But like Burks, no, I, I there's no if they can't make that happen, then fuck them. If they can't make that happen, then it's the misguided situation where they think that keeping him if they don't get. X in return is the approach to take, which some people I've seen on Nick's Twitter, you know, agree with that because Perks is decent at some things. But I guess where I disagree with that is that even if he is useful and versatile in his own way, I don't think that's important because we're not fucking going anywhere and we need to free up time for other players. And I think that's more important than whatever marginal on-court upgrade AB gives you when he's playing well, which he hasn't for like two months. And that's also exactly why just the X for Y premise is is extremely flawed because 
in a case like the Knicks, it's never actually just X for Y. It's so let's say, you know, Burks is X and whatever his return is, is Y. You have to include that in the scenarios where Burks isn't on the team anymore, the trajectories of the mo- more important pieces increases. So not only are you getting Y, but you're also getting a Quinton Grimes that plays five to 10 more minutes in a game and, and ha- or per game and has a more substantial role that increases his value next season incrementally. And that has to be included in the value of trading Burks. So it's not just like, it would be ridiculous if Burks doesn't get traded because they're like, well, we see him as worth this and we could only get 90% of this because the value in getting Grimes to play more, the value in seeing what you have in Reddish, the value in quickly taking on, more of a role and just letting him fail in a season that is doomed from a, you know, an absolute winning standpoint, all these things have value to the team long-term. And I, and by the way, I fucking hate the idea that people say all the time that it's like, Oh, Tibbs is never going to tank. Like it's just so insane to me to imply playing the guys who have actually been helping you have a chance to win is viewed as tanking like quickly playing more is tanking. What, what is playing Kemba Walker then that's trying to win in what, what backwards universe is that that doesn't make any sense. So I just think that making no moves like, I, I mean, Schwinn was saying, okay, well I can see if they can't move Kemba or Noel, those two would need to be shut the hell down. Like they're not helping you win now and they're killing you in the long term. This is a, this will be really really bad if nothing happens in my opinion. And here's the other thing too, like Stacy's been banging his drum since the Denver game, but like I'm so over the idea we need to trust fucking Tibbs's fucking talent ID, which Press has been talking about for over a year now. But like he didn't play Grimes until he had to basically. Grimes comes in and now he's a fixture in the rotation, and we're all like clamoring for him to get more minutes. Okay. Uh, like Deuce got one, he got like two games, really. That's how he got a shot for like two legit games. Uh, and then you know, he, he played really well against Golden State, he killed it against uh Houston. We won that game huge. Him and quickly looked awesome together. And then he basically was out of the rotation again. And then he, he got those random starts where it was like, oh, we can't start quickly, so let me start Deuce McBride, which just put him in a shitty position, I thought. Uh, and then he played again against Detroit, and he was like a plus 79 or whatever the fuck it was, that weird-ass game. Not saying that he was a driving force that, but he was in a lineup that won us the game. Um, and so, like, I don't buy this idea. And then Jericho Sims looks fucking solid against Denver. You know, like, he definitely looked better than whatever we've gotten from Noel for most of this year and what we've gotten from Todd over the last month and a half, I'd say. So, like this idea we just need to trust Tibbs and he's like, you know, he's not like we can't play these guys. Cause we play these guys. We'll tank. Like nobody's saying don't play any vets. I don't want to do that. I've never advocated for that at all. But like, if you let's like, just say the Knicks trade Burks. Okay. And then they take Kemba and Noel out of the rotation. Okay. You've still got Fournier. Rose is coming back. You've still got Julius and like Todd and Noel are there. If you need to go back to them as like, you know, Sims needs a break or somebody gets like, this is this is a bullshit argument. Like you, nobody's saying get rid of all the vets and only play you know fucking eighteen year old kids. Like no, I don't want that either. I think that's a shitty development context. But you know what else is a shitty development context? Not playing. Like that's a pretty shitty development context. So you know, I mean, Press can talk about this too. Like 
I, I'm actually a little bit not lower on Deuce like as a prospect, but I think I'm a little bit more hesitant to say that he could come in right now and he'll consistently like he he'd be solid. Like I actually I'm a little bit more down on that mostly because I think if he's I rebuke card, thee. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that's but my point being <laughs> is that like even then, I would much rather have him play right now than Kemba because if I'm wrong or if I'm wrong, then awesome. Like, oh, wow, Deuce is actually able to play right now, and he's solid? Like, great. If I'm right, what did we lose? Like, oh, Kemba's minutes? Like, oh, yeah, because I need to watch this fucking asshole, you know, play like a septuagenarian or some shit for like seven games in a row, you know? I can't watch this Kemba shit anymore. The guy was, he literally got punked. Bones Highland standing there pointing at him, literally embarrassing Mm -hmm. him, like that Sean Kemp video, right? And his reaction is just to smile, get up. Like that is the sign of somebody who is so fully aware that they are cooked. They are. That's what, that's what I do when I play against good competition and somebody catches my ankles. All you, what are you going to do? Be mad? No. All you can do is smile and be like, ah, good move. Good move. Young fella. Like, ah, that's what Kevin is right now. He's me playing washed up against younger dudes. Like he needs to just, I mean, it's clear we're not going to trade him. You know, I'm holding hope for a Burks deal or whatever. Or oh, no well, but so cup, cup, couple of things to point out. Uh, Harden is opting into his player option for next season. Um, so that's cool. Good for him and good for Maury. And also, the Spurs got a 2028 pick swap in that deal. Also, so the Spurs you know, clean the fuck if up. You want to say that? The... <laughs> yeah, I. But the Spurs, they got to be up to something, man. They got three firsts in this draft now. Mm-hmm. And they traded they're, out. They're resetting low key, and they, right? They might. And they and they and they might trade Pirtle, right? There was that report that mm-hmm. at least that they're talking to the Hornets about it. So like, I don't know, but it's not like it's weird though. Are they resetting because White they is almost kind Murray of like, too. yeah, like and White is he's good. So obviously, I'm not criticizing him or anything, but he's like kind of redundant in a way for them, right? Like because Primo is gonna eventually take that role that they have Murray playing or not Murray playing sorry white and like they can do they can do without white he doesn't I don't think they drop off a cliff without him or anything like that yeah even um, Vassell was it was like, like getting like what like 20 yeah. minutes a game 22 minutes a game or something yeah and he's gonna play more now probably mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. I wonder they gotta be up to something like they, they're gonna have their lotto pick they Jaylen got the Raptors Smith pick. trade who are to, not to the Knicks, apparently. No, Tory Craig for Jalen Smith and a future second round pick. Um, so yeah, that's a, so that's Pacers a continuing to scoop up random projects, which I ain't mad at given what they're doing. BTW, I looked up. Uh, I mean, I mean Jalen Smith was a terrible fit for the Suns. I don't know why they did that. He was never going to be able to play with Aiden. So what? I I never I did not get that pick from from day one. And it's completely and court- unsurprising to me that like he, ne- he he never even saw the court. Like I don't know what they were expecting. Yeah, and there was a lot of better talent um, available there too that they could have taken. <laughs> and mm-hmm. but I, I mean like for Tory the Suns, Craig they get Phoenix, though. Yeah, I mean he goes back to a team that he went to the finals with last year. So yeah, yeah, I mean that's definitely a good move for them. I mean, look, our Discord is going crazy about we didn't get Jalen Smith. Shut up guys. Like they didn't, they don't want what we have to get Jalen Smith. Get off, get the fuck over it. Jesus Christ. Not every trade is like an indictment of the New York Knicks front office. 
Fuck off. Yeah, if anything, Pete, they um, should be cheering because this might mean that Miles Turner is on the move. Like, dude, like, <laughs> yeah, Miles Turner, let's go. Miles Turner, let's go. You got people got to remember we we saw Jalen Smith hooping with Chris Paul. That's the mm. biggest asterisk of all asterisks for big men. He was this motherfucker turns out all NBA, not all star, all NBA seasons for big men for most of his career. Yeah. Uh, I did look it up, by the way, uh, for the Sixers to, to jump back 15 minutes in conversation. Uh, potentially a deal <laughs> that could work for the Knicks if they were going to trade Burks to the Sixers. And I feel like this would be something that the Sixers would be interested in, potentially. Corkmaz uh, and then Jaden Springer and Paul Reed would get it done. That would match salary for Burks. So it's not one contract, but that's given up. I, I know, like, I'm the guy who overrates all the young draft prospects everywhere, but like, Paul Reed and, and Jaden are not nothing. Like, that's well, something. I mean, I would assume that you would probably not really get too much in the way of pick compensation that way. Maybe you get like a second Word. round pick or something and then work out some other deal where maybe you can reroute Cork Maz or just make some deals where you trade some of your other guys into other people's exceptions or something. I'm just like, saying, if we did that pick. shit, I would be on Twitter in all caps very unnecessarily. <laughs> I really liked Springer too. I, I liked him, you know, but I, I I think you know he's probably a little bit of a project. Like I don't G League him. MVP Paul Reed. Yeah, yeah, Paul Reed. That gives us the best big in the G League and the best guard in the G League. Him, him and Deuce, and then you yeah. said Jericho back down there. Forget about it. Twin and Samonic. That team is that team is like the seventy one Warriors of the G League. <laughs> yeah, and, yo, that's the other one too. Like I know this sounds absurd, and I know Samonic is injured right now, but like. I want to see this motherfucker play too. I yeah. want to see these guys get some burn because, uh, you know, they deserve it. Oh, look. Look who has joined us. Uh, oh, my goodness. That... I don't even know how this is going to look with five people. It's going to be interesting. This... Whoa. There we go. <laughs> Damn. There's Tyrese. How is it? Is it warm? Are you warm in Texas? Uh, it's like 60 degrees today, like always. So, like, the rare day we get like 20 degrees, <laughs> I feel happy, but like, it's been 60 like all this week. It got hotter though because there. Nobody cares about those forty degree days though. Nobody cares about those forty degree days though, bro. A lot of forty degree days. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean the Derek White thing is, I don't know. I guess like now it's that... good for me as a Spurs fan, but like, I don't know. The Spurs tanking, like actually embracing tanking, feels weird. Like they are. Is there a tank? Like I don't think here. they're tanking though. I just think they're like selling off superfluous pieces. Maybe retooling, but like they have, I think they, three they're picks clearing now. the they're clearing the garage. That's what they're doing. Yeah. So that yeah, three we'll picks. Clean. <laughs> They'll get Keegan and like. Yeah, bum ass Adam Silver will probably reward them with a top three pick. Oh, it'll be annoying, but they get like Chet. I no, it's like a like... Greg Popovich parting gift or some horse shit. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's not Adam Silver though. It's the other guy. What's his name? Mark, Mark Tatum. Uh, Mark Tatum. And Is the he biggest... the one we hate? Yeah, he's yeah. the fucking one. And it was, he comes out, his big-ass smile. Oh, the <laughs> Knicks get the seventh pick. Congratulations. You moved down seven <laughs> slots, guys. Like, shit, asshole. They're going to, like, change the rules for the Knicks so they can move from, like, seven to 14 this year. Knicks <laughs> <laughs> have fallen out of the lottery. <laughs> and they end up with the 18th pick. The Knicks are officially the play in. The Knicks have been assigned the play in loss of the Celtics or whoever. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Or the, the Knicks Wizards, have been assigned whatever. the play-in game loss versus Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> hey -o. Um All right, I'm going to go and seed room for uh, the youth. Tyrese, enjoy your time here. May you have 
less technical difficulties than I had. Everybody else, I hope by the time I'm done with my real job stuff that Alec Burks is fucking on a plane out of New York. So talk to you later. All right. See you, buddy. Bye, man. Later, bro. To, uh, to bring it back to what Schwinn was talking about a few minutes ago with regards to the value of or why, why we want to see people on the court. One other thing that I feel like uh, doesn't get talked about a lot is there's a lot of there's just value in having more information when you make your moves like in the off season. So like I, I wrote about it in uh, our last recap article for Strickland with Tibbs, we're basically sacrificing with the rigidity of his roles. We're sacrificing finding out what a lot of these people are capable outside of these fixed roles that Tibbs has them in. So like we drafted Obi top in eighth overall. And we're about to go into his second or we're about to be entering his third season, second off season with no idea if he can share the court with Julius Randall, aside from the spot minutes he's played with them where they've played really well. And so like, that's really bad. Like, (laughs) and same with quickly, like playing point guard, like you need to figure out what they can do outside of the really narrow thing Tibbs sees them as right now. And that's another reason why we have to get rid of these things that Tibbs likes to lean on out of here. We need to get them out of I, here. I, I think it's even more insane than that, though, because like on top of these rigid roles, he doesn't play them together with like other core young pieces. Like, how right. many minutes has Obi Toppin played with RJ Barrett in two years? I, I'll look it up once I'm done fucking yelling right Probably now. Probably less like, than five hundred. I would imagine it's less than two hundred. Probably less than two hundred. Almost positive about that. It can't, it can't um, be less than two hundred, right? That's yeah. that's so low. If it's that I would say less low, than, like be... less than five hundred, probably. Oh my god! How many? Like think about. But why? Like where are you guys getting all these OBRJ minutes from, though? Like they literally don't play together. I'm like, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up right now. If it's under two hundred, that that would blow my mind. Um, and you know, quickly he's played a bit more with Randall and and RJ, but it's like those things only happen as a consequence of like, oh, quickly's playing well today, so I'm going to let him close the game. It is never like, Kemba's not giving me shit, and Burks is not giving me shit, so why not just try quickly? Or like, I like quickly for this matchup, or I like Obi for this matchup. Like, it's never about that. It's just about, are you playing well enough that I can play? And Obi can literally never play well enough for him to try even playing small. So at that point, you're just like, it's absurd. I, I just don't get it. Um, thankfully Grimes is a three and D wing because that's easy for Tibbs to slot in with, uh, with RJ and, and Randall, because God knows that figuring out how Deuce McBride could play with them is going to be fucking mind blowing for Tibbs. Um, you know, Tyrese, Tyrese nailed it. It's, it's 450 minutes. I'm I'm good at what I do. (laughs) What do you, what do do you do? What is it you do? (laughs) (laughs) Everything. It's uh 457, 457 or 455 total, 247 this year. Yeah, that's absolute dog shit. That's yeah, pathetic. That's not good. Oh, RJ Barrett officially out tonight, so I'm yes, not watching. Great. This is gonna be such an exciting game. Can't I don't I don't get our I don't get our reporters. So the so the, the the one reporter asked him, they were like, So what was he doing on the floor? And Tibbs said, We thought we could make a comeback. Okay. But when RJ got hurt, he had just pulled Randall and the other guys like 30 seconds earlier. How is that not the world's easiest follow-up question? How was Grimes is like... playing tonight, by the way. 
He's starting oh. tonight at this point. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. No, you're good. I'm just, I'm just curious how a reporter didn't ask him that. Now I'm, now I'm looking forward to Grimes playing thirty, playing every minute. Steph's on the floor because that's how, that's how Tibbs works. He'll just, he'll. I, I, that should be fun. I, I gotta say, I gotta say this too. Like, I got some pushback on this last night. I actually, I don't know if I would fire Tibbs just for this, like, for that incident, but like to me, that is a fireable offense, not because. And, like, you can sit there and be like, well, he just sprained his ankle. But, like, you're just looking at what happened versus what could have happened. And why were we even risking that? It makes absolutely no sense. For all, like, you have a chance of he could have he stepped on the guy's foot and fucking his knee gives out. And he, all of a sudden now, he's towards, tears his ACL. Like, you're, it's just so stupid to have him out there in that situation. And the fact that Tibbs did it is really bad. Because... You, if you do that once, it's understandable, maybe, and you can say, okay, like that's you got to learn. He, you learn from that. But this is a guy who was he was standing on that sideline when Derrick Rose tore his ACL in effectively. It was like a what, like a fourteen point game or something like that with two minutes left. I mean, a minute and a half, something like that. Like the game was over, and you know, like yeah, they were, that's they were something up, they were where double digits, like two you would expect him to learn from it and grow from it. And I, I just, I don't know. Like it, it really is mind-boggling to me that he had that. And the fucking crazy thing is he took he took Randall and Fournier out eventually. But Malone called a timeout with 130 left to pull all of his starters. At that point, he's literally telling you, I'm not even trying anymore, bro. The game's over. If you're Tibbs and you can't rationally come to the conclusion that the game is over, that's a problem that you have to deal with. So I don't know if that's a fire. I don't know if I would fire him just for that offense, but I do think it's something that if you're the front office at the end of the season and you're sitting down and you're doing a year review of Tibbs's performance, I don't think he's coached a particularly inspiring year this season. Um, that would be something that has to be part of the evaluation, and it should be a really meaningful part of the evaluation, um, especially if we don't see changes uh, in how he operates for the rest of the season. Um, I think that's like very much, it, it has to be part of the evaluation. If it's not, um, you know, I would, that, that's concerning about them and how they're doing their jobs at this point. I can't see them like firing him like a year after he won coach of the year. Like, I I, have, have you been acquainted with the New York Knicks yet? Like, <laughs> I mean, but like, to be fair, this is Leon Rose. So like, we don't know how Leon Rose is going to yeah. work when like adversity is like, come ever first year, good vibes. Everything's like great. And now it's like, you're kind of facing the New York pressure market. You would you could say, so I don't know. Like year three is kind of be like the defining year. I can see him going like half the year and then firing him, but like I don't know if they'll like fire him this off season. I would rather if they were going to do it, just like shit or get off the pot, like fire him this off season or don't wait till halfway through next season. Like make yeah, I would, probably, I would I would do that too because I yeah. feel like at this point you got to like you have to try to salvage Randall, you have to try to salvage um a lot of the value you have this roster. And I don't know if Tim's going to do that, but at the same time, it's like if they're not going to get offensive coordinator coach, then like I don't care what he yeah. comes back with next year because like it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same thing. Bad offense, right. spotty. That's defense. a that's a that's a really good point. Like uh, because Schwinn was talking before you before you got on uh, got on Tyrese about how the Knicks don't have uh, anyone besides Rose who can get into the paint without who get to get into the paint without a screen. And I was kind of, and I agree with him, but I was also kind of thinking like, are, 
how much he, he brought up RJ specifically, and it's like, how many chances does RJ really even have to get into the paint without or to get into the paint without a screen? Because Tibbs's structured uh, schemes call for the center to screen such a high percentage of the time that while it's probably true that RJ is more of an advantage creator right now than just a, a, an elite primary initiator, we don't really know what he could do off the bounce in isolation and how much of an advantage he could create because Tibbs really just doesn't let it let it happen. The only thing he really lets happen with RJ is that pistol ap- action or top of the key pick and roll. And to compound on how bad like that narrow view of an offense is, he always has these centers setting the screen who can't do anything. It's always Noel setting the screen and it's like, okay, the big just like laughs and just picks up RJ right away. And then the defend and then the wing who's being screened just trails. And all of a sudden RJ is, He's boxed in. It's a two on one. And the guy they're leaving uh, on his own, Noel, can't do anything. And so it's just like these are useless screens. And yeah, I mean, I'm just ranting right now, but you kind of set it off when you're you're talking about the shitty screen. When you're talking about the shitty Thibodeau offense, that's what you get. It's very frustrating. And it's like it's like he has a Corvette, but he wants to drive it like a fucking Ford Taurus. Like, bro, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, like you just talked about the screen thing. You don't have to fucking screen with fucking Nerlens Noel or Mitchell Robinson every fucking possession. Like, it, it's it's fucking mind boggling to watch the shit. Like, Julius Randle is easily the most dynamic role man on the team. It's not even close. And the we it took us like fifty fucking games to finally start using him consistently as a role man. Like, what the fuck are you been doing all season? You know, like. Oh, we got like what like he, they've got data analysts up the ass. I have a very hard time believing all of the nerds that uh Leon Rose has hired are sitting here telling him that like yeah, Tibbs is doing fucking bang up job, bro. Like no, get the fuck out of here. There's no shot they're saying that. To go back to the center thing. He refused like there is no other team in the NBA. You can watch League Pass on any given night. There is no other team in the NBA that consistently has to face the opposition center at the rim on every fucking possession. Every possession. There is never a possession where you have Mitchell Robinson go set an off-ball screen and then to clear out the big, and then that clears out the paint for RJ to drive or whatever. It is always the on-ball action always involves the center setting a screen, and that clogs up the offense so much that, like, yeah, you can sit there and tell me you don't have a stretch five, but, like, all that tells me is that you have no creativity. If that's your excuse for why you can't, space out the floor or clear the paint more for drives like it is a joke and you know this team you look at the stats they take like the 10 i think they're top 10 in shots at the rim they're also bottom 10 in percentage at the rim yeah they like they, is they all fucking is, but but it's like yeah some of that is like yes rj doesn't have good touch and randall you know whatever but like they also are always like watch how many drives or shots at the rim on every single game Watch how many shots of the rim RJ and Randall ever have without a center in position to challenge them. Watch it. Just like watch a lot it. of like, I don't think they're as bad as like the data will say. But, like they're bad as finishers, but like I don't think they're that bad as finishers. And it feels like a lot of it is like death with all bullshit because there's a center in the paint. And I get it. Like Mitch is like good for Kobe assists, but like at the same time, you cannot just have Kobe assists being like a staple part of your offense. So but he there's could no also, offense he, in the history he, of basketball that succeeds like that. And he could also get those rebound. I assume by Kobe assists, you mean offensive rebounds. Yeah, um, offensive rebounds at the putbacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
couldn't he also get those types of rebounds? Like if you used him like one in the dunker spot and two as like set, like have him set flare screens off the ball and then time it. So like he can crash a little bit when the action happens or something. I don't know. There's just gotta be, there's gotta be something more creative than a standard pick and roll at the top of the key with a roller who can't catch the ball. There just has to be. Yeah, I just I don't think Tibbs is going to be the guy to like be creative. So I'm right. not. I'm not going to like, So so like my question then is, is unless you believe that what Tibbs is doing, uh, will, like you have to basically get him elite players in those roles because he has very defined roles. So you have to get him elite players in the roles that he wants. But if you don't do that, he's not going to ever work to like find some creative solution to it. And so. I don't know, man. Like the more, if I have to sit here through the end of the season and watch us do absolutely nothing different with the same fucking vets eating a bunch of minutes, I'm gonna fucking blow my brains out. Like I'm gonna fucking get, I'm gonna go get a gun license, buy a shotgun, and literally <laughs> stick it in my mouth and pull the trigger. Like this is a fucking joke. It is insane to watch. But honestly, like I don't want. I, I really would hate to fire Tibbs because I don't like the idea of like, you know, I, I think coaches can have bad years. That's fine. It, it happens, you know. Like coaches can have bad years, just like players can have bad years. But the fact that there's no attempt to like work towards anything new or try new shit to like, like this team has been stuck in mud all year, right? They're twenty four and thirty one. There's no reason that you need to be attached to your rota- your precious rotations and fucking strategies and schemes and all this shit. There's no reason for it. So if you are not willing to try anything now when your team needs a spark, right? Like you need like if your goal is we want to fucking find a way to get into the playoffs. Okay. So your team needs a spark. You got to find something new. How is it a spark to just keep doing the same shit over and over and over and over again? Like if that is your idea of finding a spark, then ultimately after 82 games, thank you for the first year. Appreciate helping us lay the foundation, but get the fuck out of here. Like, that's how I feel, because I cannot sit here. If I still got to sit here at the end of the year and have no idea what Julius Randle and Obi Toppin could do in extended minutes together, I I don't know. Like, then what did we just do with a lottery? Like, we just set a lottery pick on fire. And it's not even because Obi is bad. It's because Obi just won't get the opportunities to, to expand his game or show that his game deserves to be expanded on. It's. You know, and then you know, I don't even want to get into how they use Obi, which is like, okay, dude, just fucking stand in the corner and spot up. Um, and sometimes I, I always you'll get laugh. A I always, out. I always laugh, Schwinn, when they, uh, if if you notice more and more, they they do this thing where so IQ will dribble the ball up the court, and then the center will pop to the to above to above the nail above the three point line. IQ will throw him the ball. And then Obi will come from the corner up to the to-, to the top wing, and the center will throw Obi the ball, and then he'll go screen for IQ, and then Obi will just toss the ball right back to IQ. I think that's like Tibbs's way of getting him, like letting him touch the ball, but it doesn't ever accomplish anything. It's just like wasting six seconds, and I I, I just laugh every time because I, I it's just like that's the most involved Obi can get because they just don't let him run screen and roll or they don't post him up. And like you were just saying, it's not like he's been bad. They play well when he's on the court every single time, and he's etched out ways to be valuable on a team that doesn't even let him try, really. Like, they don't do anything for him. So it's it's insane. Like, his 
you, you know, I mean, my Twitter handle is named after Frank, but I at least can wrap my head around people being like, oh, like he's not good at basketball or like, yeah, he's off. Like, oh, the Obi thing is way more ridiculous to me. Like, just there's no reason for him to not play more. There's no reason to not. And as I've said it a million times, it's the easiest rotation fix ever. And it lets Tibbs keep playing Noel or Taj a little bit. But all you got to do is when you pull Mitch at the five minute mark, have Obi be the sub for Mitch and let him finish the quarter, the first and third quarter for Randall with Randall, excuse me. That gives you eight to 10 minutes of Randall and Obi playing together. And then when Randall comes out at the start of the second, you put Noel or Taj in and Obi and Taj or Obi and Noel start the second and fourth quarter gives you eight to 10 minutes with Obi and Randall on the floor together. It's still, you got your precious rim protection for 40 minutes a night, but you're trying fucking different things. You're showing different looks. It makes you less predictable. It's the easiest switch ever. And it, it gets Obi on the full floor more. I don't understand why they're not doing it. Yeah. I mean, I just think it comes out to like, I don't like Tibbs didn't want Obi. Like, I just feel like Tibbs didn't want Obi, and like he just he doesn't think about ways to integrate him into the offense. I really who does I, Tibbs I, want to be completely honest? Like outside, of like quickly, who he who he talked up and said, "Hey, yeah, I had this kid like pegged all the way from Kentucky." Like it seems like pretty much. I guess he likes thought. Grimes. I think I think he he does he does, he does like, like Grimes, but uh, yeah, I guess that's a that's a good point. I guess it's what like every other pick he likes, you know, like doesn't like Obi. <laughs> Uh, like it doesn't it seems to i mean i don't know it's tough to say if he likes deuce or not because Mont- montres harold to uh charlotte by the way oh he he likes grimes he likes grimes because grimes fits easily into his art like what he wants from that position it has yeah. nothing to yeah, do right. with grimes actually being good it's because grimes fits ex- if grimes was awesome but he was like an offense heavy player that was struggled on defense he would not he would not be playing like this he wouldn't. Yeah. He wouldn't do it because Tibbs would have no patience for it. He's shown you that. He consistently shows you this. Like, like this. These fucking excuses for Tibbs are bullshit at this point. I'm not saying obviously you're not making one, but like, like Deuce, like you can't tell me how on earth, how the fuck on earth could Deuce McBride be worse at NBA basketball right now than the corpse of Kemba Walker? Like, mm-hmm. it's not possible. It is literally impossible to be worse than a guy who's major accomplishment this season has been smiling like what the fuck like hey, you know, he had like, a triple double he did have a triple double yeah don't forget the triple yeah. double in the 40 point game no i know? don't give a shit i actually the week, Kemba walker dude no but that that actually was the worst thing that could have happened for the oh i know was that it, fucking it, week of Kemba it was, walker it was like mm-hmm. that was the worst thing that could have happened because it was great in the moment though i had so much i had so much fun by the I way quick was, quick note I mean, from from our buddy Mark Berman, RJ Barrett limping around in a walking boot at Arena in San Francisco. He's out tonight and looks bad for Portland. Womp that womp. was that. Do we still yeah. even have an injury report officially on what's wrong with his ankle? It, they said it was day to day, but like that's... it's definitely like a high ankle sprain or something. He's going to be day to day. Another, for like another, another high ankle sprain. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Thanks. Dave. I mean, I honestly could see it. See it being more, being more meaningful in them just punting on telling us like him being day to day for a while and because they don't want Tibbs to but honestly if it if it is bad they should just rip off the band-aid because every game RJ misses with oh he's day to day he's questionable for the next game it's just the conversation is going to keep going like they this I mean this is really bad for Tibbs (laughs) I, I I I'm I don't think like 
you if you asked me before the end of the Nuggets game would I want to fire Tibbs at the end of the season, I probably still would have been like, no, like hire an offensive coordinator and figure it out. But like right now, I'm such a strong lean towards firing him at the end of the season because like this RJ thing is so it's so bad. Like he has finally started piecing together the things that you want to see from him in year three. I would say in the last whatever it is, like a month and a half, whatever, since that New Year's Eve game. I thought that is the best stretch of basketball he's played by far in his career. Um, and we are now sitting here hoping that he gets back as soon. I mean, what I think you would be optimistic if you said he misses three or four games, hopefully, like uh, from the way it sounds. But like, we're hoping that's a best case scenario. But like, if it's like 10 games, I mean, that costs you as an organization and it costs you, it costs you so much. Like, then he has to come back. He's got to get back up to speed. Like, there's so much. Like, I just can't get over how stupid of a fucking decision it was. And it served absolutely no purpose. There was no purpose to that decision. This was not like a five point game and you're hoping that, you know, somebody can hit a three. You get a, no, this was like the game is over. It is fucking over. And, you know, I just think, and he was done. He was so obviously did not have any legs left that entire game. The entire game, because he played, what, 42 in Utah the night before. He played 50 against the Lakers on Saturday. And then he was playing, he played 35 against Denver in a game that, like, he there, he did not need to come back in. The starters in general didn't need to come back in, but he definitely didn't need to come back in. And, you know, I don't even know what to say about it, because I just think it's awful. Um, and it's definitely concerning, to say the least. Uh, by the way, Wizards traded Aaron Holiday to Phoenix, so... Shout out to the, shout out so to so so like. goodbye so goodbye Alfred Payton's role. Yeah, he might it might be or goodbye. Alfred. It might be goodbye campaign. The campaign doesn't like campaign prior to the bubble this year. So yeah, he he he's been shooting really bad. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. If the, I can't believe if the Knicks are still sitting, if I still have to deal with fucking Alec Brooks on this team in thirty three minutes, I. I'm going to fucking lose it. Like, I cannot believe that they would not trade him at this deadline. I don't give a fuck what they, if they get back a flaming bag of shit and a second round pick that's top 55 protected, I would take it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, him and I mean, they got to find, they got to find some sort of final solution with Kemba too. I don't know if it's going to end up being that he gets traded, but I mean, they got to be unafraid to just be like, Kemba, you're benched again, you know, and just be like, you're out of the rotation. Like, you're, yeah. Tibbs did it once. I don't understand why it's taking so long for him to do it a second time. Other than if they were saying, like, well, showcase him. Everybody needs to see that he can score zero points in 20 minutes of action every night and, you know, provide you nothing on either end of the court at this stage. In yeah, you so you could you could absolutely argue that that them playing him as much as he's played lately hurt his trade value. He's been awful. Like, this, what are they the what second- are they showcasing? The second he got that triple double on Christmas, they should have been like, "All right, we're putting Kemba on ice." Oh no, his knee is acting up a little bit again, and oh, what a shame, you know. But don't worry, it's totally healthy. Like, just start saying the teams like, "No, no, we're just holding them for trades now." You guys know the drill, you know. Like, right. leave that as everybody's lasting memory. Like the, the fact I, they kept I was, playing. I was talking to uh, Prez about this. He brought this up actually, and he brought up a good point where he was like, "Look, like these guys aren't stupid, you know. Like they know that Kemba." is fucking cooked out here, right? They're, they know that. But, like, people want to sit there and bitch about Julius's 
temperament and mentality and all this kind of stuff the entire season. And they're well within their rights to do it because he's been a mopey motherfucker for most of the season. I think we'd all agree on that. Um, shout out to him for turning up the last five games though. Um, but like, I don't, what does it do to you as a player? If you're Julius Randall and every single night, you know, you're going to start next to a point guard who has nothing. He has nothing to give you. He cannot give you anything on offense. He cannot give you anything on defense. And you know that he's still going to start because Tibbs will not change. For two and, years, I'm not, for two uh, years, mind you. For two years. Yeah. The same shit right, like, I don't, yeah, I, yeah, that's a great point. Like, this is the same shit we saw last year. You think these guys didn't know that Alfred Payton was fucking them up on the court? They knew that. Of course they knew that. But, like, they were winning, so everybody just bought in, and it's great. But guess what happens when you don't win? You get shit like this. Like, you get, like, does this team look... This team looks like they're something off, right? I, I'm not saying like they, I don't think they hate each other or like there's massive internal beefs, like at least personally, but in terms of work relationships, there's something that's off with this team. I think they think that and they can be better think, and like, like they probably think that they get, they're a lot better than they are right now. And like, it just feels like it's not clicking the way it used to. I don't think like anybody like hates each other. I don't think the locker room's like broken up or anything, but it just feels like. They feel like they're underperforming and they're like, they're trying, they're soul searching right now. And it's like, it's in real time, it's hard to watch. I feel like Kemba and Julius have the sort of relationship where, like, for anyone that's ever worked in like an office setting, it's like they're, you know, they are like each other as people. They would totally go out and get a beer after work or whatever, like maybe even hang out on the weekend or something. But like when they work together, it just doesn't work. And like, even if they don't hate each other, they like, quietly hate working together you know what i mean like i feel like that's sort yeah. of the the kemba julius relationship at this point because they'll talk highly about each other and like there's nothing going on like with them like there was with like uh with like simmons and Embiid, for example where like Embiid was throwing pot shots at simmons you know and that sort of thing like it, it, even in like the playoffs last year and stuff like that you know i don't think there's anything like that between them where they, they're gonna like publicly go after one another because they just don't hate each other like that but it's so obvious on the court, like when Kemba's not playing and, and Randall gets minutes without Kemba, those minutes are almost always better. You know, even if that's with Alec Burks on the court or something, like no matter who it is, like if it's not Kemba Walker, it's it's working out better for Julius because like their relationship just hasn't worked. You know, it's like Kemba needs the ball. He needs pick and roll guys, you know, whatever. Julius wants the ball as well. And he's quite frankly better with the ball in his hands than Kemba is at this stage of their careers. So, of course, he's, like, kind of pissed about that, I think. Like, I have i don't know. I've grown a little more sympathetic to the Julius situation the last couple of weeks, particularly with the fact that, like, he now seems to have turned it around and found a way to make this work, even when he has to play with stupid Kemba. But, you know, they, it's like you said, Schwinn, there's, there's something broken there. You know, like, there's just – it doesn't work. You know, they, they got to yeah, get Kemba out one way or another at this point. Yeah, and the fact that, like, Tibbs – again, like, I just can't – like, you have to know – like if you're Emmanuel quickly, okay, and you, I don't, I don't care what people think, because he's a point guard, he's not a point guard. For the entire season, he's outplayed Kemba Walker, flat out outplayed him. He's been better than Burks in various stretches. If you want to say Burks has been better than him, whatever, that's fine. He's been better than Burks in certain stretches. He's clearly trusted more than Deuce McBride than by than Tib by Tibbs than you know is the case. So like. But even then, and Derrick Rose is out, okay? Derrick Rose is injured, so he's not even in the picture right now. Even amid all of that, he will never start you. He gave him one start against Chicago, and that was it. 
That was it. It's the only time he started this year, I think. Or maybe he started twice. I don't know. Oh, no, he started against the Celtics, too. And he had a really, he actually had a pretty solid game, and Tibbs praised him after that game. And then what happened? He went right back to the fucking bench. Like, so you basically know that unless there's a bunch of injuries or COVID outbreak or whatever, you're never starting this year. You're never going to start. You're never going to get a chance to start. Like, what does that do to you as a player? I don't know. If you're Obi, if you're Obi Toppin, you go into every game knowing the most I'm going to play is 15 minutes, no matter how well I play in those 15 minutes. What does that do to you as a player? What does that do to your psyche? What does that do collectively in the locker room? How does it, how does it affect your approach? Like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, and I don't think like all of quickly, the quickly struggles are not obviously solely down to fucking Tom Thibodeau, but I def, I do think that like in some of his decision making now, I feel like you can really see how he's like trying way too hard to be a point guard, like quote unquote yeah. a point guard, right? Like, Oh, I got to pass it. I got to pass it now. I got to like, I'm at the rim, but I got to kick it out to Obi because I got to get him going. Like it's shit like that. Like I watch that and I'm just like, I don't know, man. I, I, I really think it does affect some of these guys a lot. And you know, um, I mean, if you want to be flat out, like Burks, he's fucking killed this guy this year with the way he's used him. He's fucking killed him. Uh, starting point guard. Like the dude is hanging on by a thread. Right now, it looks like most nights because of Tibbs just ran him into the ground for absolutely no reason um, that I could tell. So I, I have a lot of sympathy for the guys in this team. And I think it says a lot about the character of the guys on this team that, um, you know, the most we've heard is that people took Kemba Walker's benching in a bad way and felt that he was Tibbs was not being consistent with accountability. That's the worst thing we've heard from internally in the locker room all season. That and we heard that guys were not happy with the offense. And like the hilarious thing was like Tips was right. So like <laughs> I, yeah. I just it, that was just funny. But um yeah it just feels like when you're like a young player and you don't have like room to grow as a player, like it's it's demoralizing. It makes you feel like you know it makes you feel like you're not good enough, you're not being put in a situation to succeed. And like last year you could excuse it because the team was winning. When you're not winning and you're doing the same approach over and over again, it just feels like it feels bad. It feels like no matter what I do, win or loss, like I can't be more than what I am, just like a 20 minute bench player. And it just feels like that's not the situation you want to put yourself in as like a young player. And like that's not that's not what you want other young players on the team to like have to live up to. So, well, even RJ, and Schwinn, like, you said, Schwinn, you said it on a pod earlier this year. You, like the Knicks are lucky that Obi is such like a high character guy. Like it's a, you went you went on a good rant on one of the pods I was on a, a month or so. Like Obi was the eighth overall pick. It, he, I'm not saying like you want a guy to be a diva. You never want that. You want your players to be like Obi. But in a sense, like you kind of feel like it would be justified if Obi was like, okay, like why am I not allowed to play next to Julius Randle? Why aren't we trying that? We're not like you. you but he just sort of doesn't ask questions. It never affects his on-court effort. It never affects like his, he, he doesn't do the thing that we were talking about that Cam Reddish has been doing uh, the last few games where, Whoa. Oh crap. Like this is one of my, this, this is my opportunity to shine. What happened? <laughs> the Wizards traded Dinwiddie to the um, Mavericks. Oh my God. Uh, Por- Porzingis Por- to Washington. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no way. Uh, yes. All right, it's all well, worth it now. This has been yes. a hilarious trade deadline. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. No. This is the wait, best thing that's ever the, happened. What are the what are the Wizards doing? 
what are the Wizards doing just getting off the Porzingis contract? Dinwiddie's been horrible. Yeah, what are the what are the Mavs doing more? Like they that's that's clearly, what I, that's no that's that's they, what I, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Yo, what, you know what, what that tells you? Doing? What is that? What is it? That tells you they are terrified of Porzingis. Yep, well. yep. They said that's Porzingis what the you. Wizards. Holy shit! That is so terrifying. That's what that tells you. They, they that that <laughs> there was that report. There was that report earlier today that Fisher, what Jake Fisher said that uh, like they Raptors, had, like, in touch with Raptors, the Raptors. Raptors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, like as soon as I saw that, I was like, one. They're trying to get off money, it looks like. And two, I mean, because I just looked at the Raptors, you know, roster, right? And so when you look at it, it's like, okay, they're not going to trade them Scotty Barnes. They're not going to trade them Ananobi. Like, you can go down the roster. So it's like, you're going to get Dragic is expiring. You're going to get, like, fucking Chris Boucher's contract. And, and like, you're going to get Precious Achua and, what, a first-round pick or something? Like, it was just obvious when I looked at that. I was like, Mavericks are definitely trying to get off this contract, bro. Like they, they must. He's how many games has he missed this year? Like twenty one already or something. Yeah. Um, so do we? Do they, we count uh, Spencer Dinwiddie as part of the Kristaps Porzingis package now? Well, I think we could officially <laughs> say we won the trade. Yeah, we, we won, won the, the trade. trade. I don't care. I I don't care. This I I hope that the best way to seal this would be to trade Alec Brooks for a second round pick. Um, I would. Or, I would enjoy or Kemba that. Walker. Or Kemba Walker. Either. If you can trade Kemba Walker, you're not getting you're not getting a second round pick like, for Kemba Walker. Hey, uh, look at the Wizards. If you could come out from Kemba and Burks as a net zero, I think that would be a solid a solid day. Like get a second for Burks, send one out with Kemba. Done, perfect. That, yeah, that clears like I eight, just clears like eighteen million dollars for Brunson. You know, like that's that's solid. Yeah. That's a solid haul, I think. I just wow, how far have we fallen? From all star to salary dump in three years, four years. Yeah, that's insane. I just oh, that's so funny. Phil, I, Phil Jackson, <laughs> Phil Jackson was a damn prophet. Phil was right. Can you imagine if he would have actually pulled that trade off for for Booker and Josh Jackson at this point? Now we we would have been at the altar of Phil Jackson for at least a decade. He would he would still <laughs> be the GM right now. He'd still be the Pobo. Like if he pulled okay, off. Okay, Booker... wait, hold on. Uh, just this is worth noting. Uh, the way uh, Woj framed this was the Mavericks are trading Kristaps Porzingis to the Wizards for a package centered on Spencer Dinwiddie. So the Mavericks are going to get some other shit here too in this deal. Yeah, so they're probably going to get like probably not Kuzma, but who do they have? Huh. Uh, um, KCP making more money now, it. I think. So KCP, KCP. Yeah, KCP. KCP. That'd be a good pickup for them, to be honest. Yeah. Get, be a good pickup for them. He's better than fucking Hardaway. Yeah. I mean, and Hardaway's out right now, so you need a plus, wing. Plus, that uh, means that they might not be confident in the Brunson market. It means that we get fucking Brunson. And I'm not no, Frank, Frank outlasted Kristaps in Dallas. I just, Our son I Frank. I Go cannot believe. I cannot believe that Porzingis got traded to the Wizards. That's so funny. It, it just feels it feels great. It feels like, I don't care what happens straight down now. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, this just made it all worth I, it. I, I don't care. We won. We won. Also, are they like worried that? Oh, they got Bertans. Are they worried that? Okay, that sucks. But Bertans will probably he'll probably be better there. Yeah, probably. But like, ill. They really had no sense. That, that, that's bad. Yeah, but that 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 tells you they were terrified of that. Of his medical man, I'm wow, telling you that wow. that knee cannot be. 
you're, you're telling me the dude who tore his ACL and the tore his meniscus and now has yeah, a right? bone bruise is like really <laughs> bad at the knees and you probably shouldn't give him a max and like the Knicks were smart to trade him. Wow. Okay, I'm, I, I'm glad. I tweet out a like I I hate when you tweet out jokes and people are like, oh dude, like now they can keep Jalen Brunson. Guys, you don't need to take yourself so fucking self Like it's a joke. It's a joke. We won the war. We won the Kristaps. Porzingis trade battle war thing, okay? Oh, the map set the pick. The map set the second round pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Brunson's is... gonna be a Nick. Uh, I I believe it now. Spencer yeah, Dinwiddie, I don't. Spencer Dinwiddie's their guy. Yeah, and I don't understand why people think that. Um, how did the how did they actually clear uh, cap space? They did it fucking Bertans, and Dinwiddie is guaranteed next year. So what the fuck? Yeah, is guaranteed. About? If Bertans anything, that looks guaranteed. like a hedge. Yeah, that's, that's, like basically like, that's basically like, okay, we're not going to get Brunson, but we're going to like get two salaries because they're still in tax next year. So, like, if you look at Dallas's cap space, like, they did that move not to shed salary. They did it because poor thing was fucking bad because they have more salary in the books next year. So, like, if you're going to extend yep. Dorian and you're going to extend um, Brunson, you're still in the same situation. And now you don't have a center. Yeah. Yep. Um... So, yeah, I, I definitely think they would basically like, we might be dealing Brunson. So, or Brunson might be gone. So, like, let's get a secondary ball handler just in case. I, yeah, uh, I, 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 agree, I agree with you, Tyrese. I, th- I, my first reaction was, oh, okay, they're doing, they're going to keep Brunson now. But thinking more after hearing what you just said, I think they're, I think they're less likely to, to keep Brunson now. It's a it's hedge good for the next. Like, yeah, it's definitely a hedge. Like, you know, um, Dinwiddie, you're gonna have Dinwiddie, Brunson, and Luca together. Okay, bro. Good luck with that. Yeah. Like, what is that team doing? No, <laughs> fucking what? Not, not so much. You're gonna have, I, you have this... Brunson extended. Like, you're gonna Brunson extended for like 20 million per year, and then have Dorian Finney-Smith extended for like 20 million. For... Yeah, you're like... gonna be committing like 80 million dollars just to those three guys. <laughs> While Br- Brunson, you still Luka, Jr. Brunson, Luca, and Dinwiddie would would cost you like well, 80, 90 million and, between and him have, and Hardaway. So have we 100. considered though that Dinwiddie might start an NFT that can fund all of that? <laughs> Dinwiddie will make. I don't know. The... You know, you got to consider it. that he's a business <laughs> mogul. <laughs> Dinwiddie is going to put the uh, uh, no like he'll put the Mavs up on that that service where you can invest in players' careers or whatever. <laughs> you can invest in the Mavs' success or whatever. He's the unicorn. Okay, so Tim Ledger on ESPN just went, he's the unicorn because you hardly ever see him. I love it. <laughs> oh. Today's a good day. Today is a great day. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It, it, it's really... It I, is... I, I look forward to the Brunsager dropping in 15 minutes. So Can you imagine? They know. They know. They oh, know. that would be beautiful if that happened i would be so happy I, I i would feel like secure i i now i want it to happen if i get sexton or whatever it'll be fine but like just give me brunson please uh 16 minutes left 16 minutes 16 minutes but like tr- five minutes of like everything rolling in after yeah there could be yeah, yeah. there's usually like a five to ten minute buffer that's always my like deflate time where i'm just like but there could still be something and then just nothing yep. happens and i'm like god damn it like one more deal trickles in from like three three o'clock to three ten and you know it's like oh they just managed to they just managed to get this and, and then it's like oh it's like edge smith for um pj like i don't know i can't think of two guys like two random 
campaign for Ish Smith in a second. You're just like, oh. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so Mavericks are kind of fucked because they still need a center and they still don't have picks. So yeah. life's good. <laughs> It's almost like everybody who like knew the cap was like, yeah, if you're just gonna do plan powder over and over again when Lucas signs his fucking Rose Max, then like you're going nowhere. Like I was saying it three years ago, I was like, if they don't sign anybody, they're going to be fucked. So they're fucked. And now Spencer Dinwiddie is your guy. Build around cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh yeah, fucking Cuban and Cuban and Dinwiddie are gonna love each other, dude. He's not leaving. Yeah, they're definitely going to make some some NFTs together this year. That's going to be part of the plan, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, I I actually am pretty stunned by that. Like, I think that's a really that's that a crazy a, trade that's to a, make. That, um, that says a lot. I, I don't people keep for people 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 keep replying to me. Well, oh, that means Brunson's off the table. It's like, do you know math? Do you know numbers? Like, do you know how contracts work? Do you have a brain? Um, like, and no. Cube, like, Cubes yeah, isn't actually, trying to line up to pay huge luxury tax bills for like a second round exit. Like, he's not going to do that. Yeah. I don't care how rich he is. Like, I mean, they, they the only thing you could tell me is that it's easier to move Dinwiddie, like to clear his contract this offseason than KP. But is they it? still oh, took on okay. Bertans, who is not going to be easy to move at all. He has like three more years left, I believe. Bertans. Yeah, they essentially took on yeah, like two right. two smaller problems in exchange for one big problem, but it all adds up to a problem. And <laughs> like... they still and they still give up a second. <laughs> so like, great, Nico Harrison, ladies and gentlemen, he's him. I I think I kind of like it for Washington. I think so. I love like I love it for Washington. They're like okay if they decide to trade Beal, like they really should, like just let him go. It's really good for Washington because it's like, okay, we could try to rehab KP and just give him all the shots he wanted in New York and like hope that he could be like 2010 guy. But like, uh, if they keep Beal and they're like Beal and KP, because like they wanted Sabonis. So you got like worse Eastern European. And I, I don't know what the hell the Wizards are doing. I really don't know what the hell the Wizards are doing. But like, you could say that every year. But, like, I think this is probably a decent trade for them because, I mean, look, I will shit on KP for my own satisfaction all day, every day. But, um, I mean, his upside for them, I mean, for any team is more significant than whatever the fuck Spencer Dinwiddie and Bertans are giving you. If he ever can, you know, put together, string together a healthy season, obviously, yeah, which he, is unlikely never, given. He'll never do that. He'll never do that. Right. It's not happening. He'll never do it. But I'm saying, like, if you're going to do something here i don't hate that like i think that's like a reasonable upside play for them um and you know like if beal walks or if they trade beal like who cares you know you're gonna suck anyway so suck with bradley bradley beal kyle kuzma and christos porzingis i mean like i'm looking at this right now like just like this is insane like the Mavs are paying Dwight Powell eleven million dollars. They have some the worst contract like i mean okay so this is this is the reality of their situation next year right Without doing anything with Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brunson, they they are at one hundred forty-one million luxury, luxury tax. tax. Luxury yeah. tax is one thirty-six. So then, oh. if you have to pay Brunson like let's say eighteen million dollars and DFS like twelve, I mean you're going to be in the highest possible luxury tax bracket 
They're gonna go from like bottom ten to top five. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Colin. Colin brought up a good point. He said, um, "What does Dinwiddie mean for Dragic to Dallas?" That's a good point. It's not happening. Like, what the fuck? Why? Yeah, why do they? They won't need Dragic now. So who fucking cares? Yeah, I think Dragic is going to um the Bucks. He's, he's probably just gonna go back to Miami, right? Miami or the Bucks, one of the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I'm just. I'm. I am glad that the Knicks didn't end up doing that deal. Where they would essentially just serve as the buyout team for Dragic, because I would have just been like, I don't know, I hate transactions like that. I would have hated if the Knicks were part of one. But you would have hated it. Like, aren't you gonna um, hate? Yeah, I just this this outcome more. Um, I don't know. I mean, standing pat. I don't care. Things I, aren't I, like that bad. It's just they they need to. They're only as bad as they let things get by not giving Tibbs essentially an ultimatum at this point, being like, look, you got to play these young guys the rest of the year. We're not going anywhere. We're seven games under 500. Like whether that's entirely your fault or not, or in part the fault of some injuries and bad luck throughout the year and whatever, like we don't really give a shit, but the schedule's really hard. We're obviously not going anywhere. So you got to play these kids the rest of the way out or else like your ass is grass. Like, <laughs> and that's it. If they can do something like that, and, and flex their muscles a little bit, you know, the front office, and they didn't do anything at the trade deadline, then that's fine because, like, a guy like Burks will still have some value in the offseason, too. You know, like, a potential you could offload for, like, a second-round pick or something. Like, oh, all those guys turn into expiring contracts in the offseason. Yeah. So, like, inherently, they become more attractive. Like, look, we, we saw at this deadline, whatever you think about C.J. McCollum is a good player, the Knicks probably never had a shot at him because they don't have expiring contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you can get next year's version of CJ McCollum at the deadline, maybe for a team that's looking to reset and just slash salary because you have all these expiring salaries. So that part wouldn't worry me. What worries me though, is exactly what you outlined. And the other thing I will say is that if they don't, if that doesn't happen, if that does not happen and Tibbs is allowed to do whatever the fuck Tibbs wants, that is a major failure, like a major, major, major front office failure on their part to not move any of these vets. Um, At least I can understand you cannot move. You can sell me on Noel, for uh, Fournier, and Kemba, the market, whatever. I can understand that. I, I will accept that as valid reasoning. I cannot accept if you try if that if that pans out and you anybody's sitting there trying to tell me Burks didn't have value or they couldn't find a trade for him. If you couldn't find a trade for Burks, then you should probably consider firing multiple people in your front office because that's not. It should not be that hard. Like I think can, I could come. You, you yeah. could send Burks to Celtics right now. They have a trade exception. Yeah, trade. You could trade him to like fifth. This, the fucking Kings need a three point shooter. They need trade three him. point shooting. Trade Darn him to the Kings for right there. Yeah, trade him to the Kings for Jeremy Lamb's expiring contract. Like they they will do that. I'm almost positive they'll do that. They don't have shooting, um, and they need shooting around De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis. So like, I just if you cannot find a trade for Burks, I find that extremely. Impossible. It's impossible for me to believe that one, and two. If he continues to play at the expense of like Cam Reddish and all these fucking young guys, that'll be insane. Okay, so Tim McMahon just tweeted out that uh, the Mavs remain optimistic they they could sign Jalen Brunson this summer. Uh, they're not going to resign Jalen Brunson this summer. If you're doing like the, you're, if you're already doing damage control and PR control, you're not getting him. So. Now I wonder, like, they're saying yeah, the Pistons are a suitor? I, I've but... had the same thought. Like, so they basically think he's gone. Which why they traded for Dinwiddie. The, to, go, to go back to your uh, what you were just saying, Schwen, uh, uh, I actually think... <laughs> wait, the, wait, the funny guys, thing about... hold on. 
Hold on, Robert Randolph just tweeted. Nick's oh, move no. being announced in the next 10 minutes. So, so we're done. We're good. You're ready. It's it's coming, guys. It's coming. Sorry to interrupt, Jeff. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. I was just gonna say that Schwinn was talking about how big a failure it would be if like if Burks is allowed to do his thing the rest of the year. I actually think Burks is like the least of the main three. The like and that that just accentuates his point. Like like I think Burks is the least worrisome of the main three. Like if he gets to keep his role, like. Burks is good and he can do multiple things like we've seen him. I know he hasn't been good as a starter, but he can slide next to quickly and Grimes like I, I, I Burks. I, I think he can get the most back. So I want to see him traded. But like if he stays and he retains some role, whatever, if Noel keeps getting his courtesy, you know, backup center roles or minutes, excuse me. If Kemba Walker keeps starting the rest of the season, these are much bigger issues to me and a sign that things will never change, in my opinion. Yeah, like, I think the big thing is just, like, I don't want to see Daryl Noel play, and I don't want to see Kemba play. But, like, if you want to play Burks, sure. If you want to play Fournier, sure. Well, Fournier should play. But, like, it's really just, like, Kemba and Noel. Like, those are the two weakest parts of the rotation by far, and I don't think that, like, their counterparts are worse. Like, I don't think Jer- Jericho Sims is going to give you significantly worse than Earl's Noel, especially since Jericho Sims has two knees that work. Yeah, it's it's quiet right now. Nothing going on. Five minutes. I just just don't know, man. I if we got to sit through the final 25 games of this bullshit, like I'm I'm going to be so checked out like I, I I I can't I can't do it like I I sat here for fucking a whole year had to watch Alfred Payton start for no fucking reason and got told you know Tibbs knows more about basketball than you uh, that like he's forgotten more about basketball than you've known and he's got some method to his madness and blah and it's all fucking bullshit man you don't need to have a fucking PhD in basketball to know when shit is stupid like stupid things are stupid that's not fucking complex um. It is stupid to continue to play Kemba Walker, who cannot move, Nerlens Noel, who cannot move, uh, over guys who are younger and have upside and could present. So, like, if your goal again, if your goal is to get to the playoffs, you're better off trying these young guys and seeing if they can get you there and lift your team versus trying these shrewd and tried veterans who are known quantities and there's no upside and there's no potential for them to surprise you and reach a new level of play. There is no upside. What you are going to get is what you've gotten, 24 and 31, probably worse, because the schedule down the stretch is fucking brutal. So, I just I'll, I'll be so checked out. All yeah, roads lead to AJ Griffin. All roads lead to AJ Griffin. That's what I tell myself every day when I wake up and watch this team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be easier to we're... tell me that if we were just like, I have no problem with that. Just play I mean, the maybe guys that like, should be playing right now. This is not complex. Maybe Tibbs is actually in on the tank, and that's why he keeps starting Kemba. I keep know? telling you, the dude is a stealth tanker. <laughs> if you take the heat for a year, and then you come back next year, and you get like a really good lotto pick and like a point guard, and I, then like you're winning again, and you've won the back, you won back the fans. He's doing the Julius Randle reverse speed method. It's cool. Uh, all I need is a, uh, I need a story out there that says that Brock Aller has started calling Tibbs hinky in in meetings, and then my life will be complete. <laughs> 
I can just imagine that. Just like, boys, yeah, I don't boys. think they're doing anything. That's really, really disappointing. Yeah, quite annoying. I, I don't know. I I think the biggest disappointment for me is like it's President not so much that Prez's booing because <laughs> he has to watch KP play again. Oh, I I oh, like I just I'm just gonna. I think the biggest, I will say this, like I've been pretty supportive and understanding of like what the front office has done to date. And I think they've deserved the benefit of the doubt, but like not doing anything at this trade deadline is a concern, a major concern. And it will be a fucking huge red flag. If, as you said earlier, Alex, if the rotations stay the same and we still get treated to these old vets over the existing young talent on this team. Because you cannot trade anybody, but if you make changes, then it's okay. Then I can deal with it, and you can revisit that in the offseason, and it's not a big deal. But if you don't do that, that's a failure. That's a huge failure, and it's a huge concern about this front office and their ability to uh, pivot and and make moves when required. Um, Because this, to me, was a perfect opportunity to pivot and really signal, like, hey, we are about developing our youth and that's the focus of the rest of the season and right now all i see is like mixed messages everywhere that reddish Mm -hmm. trade now i mean the risk on that is different now if if he's not if he's not like you didn't clear a fucking spot for him so if you didn't do that the risk is much higher now because tibbs is i mean we don't know if he's gonna just find a way to play cam reddish there's no reason to believe that he would um you know and in some ways, he's he's actually this RJ injury saves him a little bit because now he's going to have to play Cam. It just naturally creates minutes for him. But that 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 I mean, when Rose comes back, when RJ gets back, there's a fucking serious logjam on this roster, and that is a fucking concern. Yeah, yep. and uh, Windhorst just said on ESPN apparently that the the Knicks and Lakers were apparently very close on a deal, but it fell apart. They were really close on a deal yesterday, but it fell apart today or something. A deal? I mean, it probably would have been like Kendrick Nunn. I'd probably have the Kendrick Nunn Drogic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have been the Drogic one, or it could have been... I mean, may- maybe it was just something that they were trying to work out solo with Alec Burks and Cam going back their way or something. I don't know. But... Which, uh, I mean, I'm not really... Oh, okay, so Toronto is... Wow, Toronto got Eric Gordon for a second-round pick. <laughs> What the yeah, fuck? wow. Congrats to the Rockets for just biting the bullet and what making a deal. Like, this shit. is what the Knicks are not doing. Wow. You know? um, I. That is surprising. That's the Rockets weird. are sending... Yeah. This is a very weird trade. Chris Boucher and Malachi Flynn. Uh, Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice back to the Celtics. Oh great! Yeah, that's that's a weird one. Wow. Well, and yet somehow predictable. Had to bring him back well, to the back trade to deadline's over. It is. Um, yeah, that's terrible. Well, now, that's and now's our now's our come down. I, I, five I don't minutes. think there's any really. Oh no! Run! That was a fake trade. Oh shit! Yeah, I yeah. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, Eric that, that, have have you guys have you guys seen this uh 
this 14 year old kid popping up on Twitter saying he's with the Knicks wall and like, and like posting fake trades and like getting a bunch of run and everyone for them is like, no, he's not with us. He's fake. And he's getting a ton of traction. It's fucking hilarious. The Strickland doesn't have these problems. Yeah. Luckily luckily (laughs) we don't, we don't have fake contributors here. Only real ones. <laughs> but like his profile picture is like it's clearly just like a fourteen year old kid. This this kid's awesome. He must he must have known that we already have a boy wonder here, and so we we had yep. no need for another one. You know what I mean? Exactly. I earned that through <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of grit and memeing on Twitter. <laughs> the Celtics are trading Schroeder to the Houston Rockets in a package for Daniel Tice. I that makes I don't no know about that. that makes no Why on earth would they do that? Schroeder's been really good for well, them, hasn't he? I guess, I guess they, think I they, guess they had to do it because they got... Well, they got Derek White, so I guess they just needed to move him. But yeah, that makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't, He'll get a buyout hell? from Houston. Maybe. Yeah, he probably will. That probably is all it is. Ultimately. I just, I just, I don't. Wow! So he's gonna go back to the Lakers. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Imagine he signs with the Knicks as a buyout guy. <laughs> god, don't please don't say that. <laughs> oh my god, that would be that's like I mean this is already a friggin' nightmare. But adding Schroeder to the Knicks, Tibbs would play him like thirty. He'd be like, all right, guys, you got your wish. I'm not playing Kemba anymore. It's true. I want to play Schroeder forty minutes tonight. I want tonight. pressure. Damn it. Rim pressure, God. penetration, playmaking. Uh, oh. That was that was uneventful. Yeah, it's really surprising. It's it's just really surprising. And I mean, Alex, you said it earlier. It, I guess it really is going to come down to if the front office has it in them to say we can't keep doing this. You have to like you have to be willing to try new things and. I mean, maybe I'm just feeling overly pessimistic right now because of how lame this this trade deadline's been, but I don't see it happening. Like, would it surprise you guys, even in the slightest, if it's game 70 and, okay, like, I can see Kemba not starting, but would it surprise you guys at all if, like, our center rotation is still Mitch, T- Mitch Noel, and Taj? Like, that's that would not be surprising at all. Right? Yeah, I think that's probably what's gonna happen. I think they're just like, you know what? But I think they're pushing for the plan, which I don't know why, but I think they feel that like maybe they can find their groove in like the last twenty five or so games and like push for the plan. And I just like I don't get that mindset. I don't get why you're trying to strive for the plan so heavily, but But also how? <laughs> who who are I... they catching? I mean, like, I don't. I don't maybe, get who they can catch. Maybe you catch the Wizards at this point. Like, I don't. But the I mean, Wizards aren't in the playoff playing game. Wait, the, the Wizards are the 11 seed. We'd have yeah, to catch Hawks Atlanta. The... Yeah, we'd oh, have to catch Atlanta, yeah. Charlotte, Brooklyn, or Boston, and Washington. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, they're they're, they're just. I don't know. I really do not know what's going on. Maybe they're going to the West Western Conference, and like, there's a chance there. Like, <laughs> Oh man, Houston gets and his freedom. Freedom is going to Houston. That's why he set up that CPAC conference because he. Yeah, yeah, he's going to CPAC. They they're gonna give him like they're gonna be like, dude, it takes some extra time off for CPAC. You know, like this is important business. All right, make sure you go go over there. Get freaking Fertitta. You know, it's gonna be like, go there. Go. You need to do God's work over there, Ennis. 
you know, I'm, I'm behind you 100%. Don't worry about hitting the court just yet. <laughs> I mean, at this point, like, it, just, it definitely feels like, hey, whatever, we're just going to tank this year, and then, like, next year, like, I I don't really care about the Cam Reddish, like, minutes. Like, I know why they would open it up, a spot for um him to rotation, but at the same time, like, I feel like he's getting extended regardless. So, I'm not too concerned about, like, opening up minutes for Cam Reddish, because I think, like, next year they'll probably be open, but, like... But that no, like that's it, no, hold on, hold on. That is so fucking stupid. No fucking way. I'm letting you get away with saying that fucking oh, idiotic shit right now. Dude, that is I a fucking s- joke. They oh they traded a first round pick for Cam Reddish, who has all of one and a half years left on his rookie deal. No, it's a fucking joke. I'll tell you exactly what. You traded out a first, which is a four year cost control contract. You traded that out for Cam Reddish, who has one and a half years left on his rookie scout contract. That gives you a limited window into how long you have to figure out is he good. What's his value? What can we do with him? Should we move him? You have a limited window. If you punt on fucking 33% of it because Tom Thibodeau has a fucking raging hard-on for Alec Burks at point guard or some bullshit like that, that is a complete failure of everything. That is like that is shitty planning. That's shitty resource allocation. That's shitty coaching. That's shitty development. That is shitty across the board. And you know what that also does? That probably pisses off Clutch as a fucking agency. Why the fuck did you trade for this guy and you have no plan to play him? You made no move to play him. That is a joke. If they do that, they should be fucking fired. That is absolutely insane. That is like, a, like there's no point to doing the trade then. So they just shouldn't have done it. Like, if they don't play Cam at all the rest of the year, they are fucking idiots and they deserve to be fired. I 100% believe that. Did I start a Schwinn right by accident? No, I don't care. I I don't care. That was I I will not. That that's you just did, such a Tyrese, fucking insane big stupid I, I, idiot. <laughs> I, I know. My bad. I I gave the fans what they wanted to see though. So No, I I I totally agree with you though, Schwinn. I mean, I think it would be ridiculous. You know, from this point forward, there's no more excuses for, you know, whatever. If you were playing Kemba or Burks or whatever to like quote unquote showcase them up until this point, sure, cool, I guess. But like it's you know, it, it, you're not showcasing shit at this point. You know, like now, especially past the trade deadline, it's not like you were really showcasing them anyway because they suck. We're showcasing but like, them for the offseason. <laughs> yeah, right. Now I've got to showcase them for that offseason trade. But it's just like, you know, when does that whole thing end? You know, with the showcasing, it's like, you know, they got to figure out, they gotta figure out what they got with Cam because the reality is like, it, just like RJ is this offseason, he's eligible for a rookie extension. So, if you play him for, you know, the last, like, whatever, however many games are left now, 25, whatever games, yeah, and, and he kind of balls out, you know, you're you're putting yourself in a position where you say, okay, like, you know what, maybe we can offer him something like a $12 million a year extension, you know, or something like that, and maybe he would take it. You know, maybe he says, I'm going to bet on myself, which, fine, that's, you know, that's fine and all, but, like, if you play him and you really start to see something, maybe you can lock him up on a deal that's going to turn out to be a huge bargain on his second contract. I, um, I think whatever deal he gets is probably going to be like, like if they do like let him play and extend him, he's probably going to get like closer to like twenty than like twelve. There's nothing that he's done to this point in his career that just sure, but like you got to realize like that's how usually contracts work. It's like basically like RFA. Like you once once you're an RFA, like you get a little bit of a pay bump, even though you haven't like done shit. Like, no, but that's if he hits restricted free agency. Like I'm saying, like they need oh, to play oh, yeah. this back half of this season because prior to the start of next season, they can work out a rookie a rookie extension with him. And we do see sometimes that works out in the extending team's favor if they can yeah, talk like, them into like, like Beasley, here's a guaranteed contract today. You know what I mean? Yeah, like what happened with Beasley and what happened with um stuff like that. But yeah. I think even like like Jalen Brown, I think is on a, a pretty 
affordable Fair contract now. Yeah, like for a one hundred and seventy gun. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty damn good given his production. Test, which is hilarious. Like so. that contract was. Well, the, Knicks, the Knicks are not going to give. Woz just tweeted that no deals no, the Knicks. no Knicks deals like officially. Yeah, no 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 Knicks deals. Leon Rose is so. banking on. Yeah, I mean. Development in the green shirts in practice. I can't so, fucking tearing it up in Westchester. I'm beyond annoyed um, with how they've operated this deadline. Like the fact, I don't care about again. I don't care about Kemba or Noel or any of these guys. To not move Burks is such a fucking joke. Like you cannot convince me there was no trade to be made for Alec Burks. Like seriously, no team was just like, yeah, we'll give you an expiring contract. I don't even give a shit about getting Val. Like you, you have five thousand second round picks. If you like could 12. not get a second round pick for Alec Burks, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Just get an expiring contract and move on. Like it is just so stupid how they've operated. And they had it. You know what? I'll tell you what makes it even worse. When did they trade for Cam? What was that? That was like December, I think. January. It was. It was like early January. It was like three, four weeks ago. So yeah. they've had, they've had that long to canvas the league and find a home for Alec Burks. If you cannot do that, or you chose not to do that, it doesn't really matter which one it is. If you either can't do it or chose not to do it, that is asinine management. That's terrible management. It's pathetic, actually, in a lot of ways. Um, and they deserve all the shit they're going to catch from Knicks fans on Twitter and all that shit for it. Um, because it's terrible. Because you know, like, I really, I, I, have, I have a very hard time believing he's not going to leave. Like what Berman, Berman had this. Actually, I do, I do think Kemba is going to get benched, but it's, he's going to play Burks a point. Berman reported that like last week, I think, right? He said after the trade deadline, Burks point Burks was the move. I mean, would you right. be that, surprised that, that's, by that? That's, that's, an, that's another problem with this is that, especially when Rose comes back, like, yeah, it's feasible to see Kemba and, and a little bit less like, like Noel getting, you know, pulled or getting, you know, whatever um the rest of the season but there's people in there's people in the way of the kids even then because rose will come back and tibbs has taj who he loves to lean on so there's still like even like it just there's such a difficult path to getting tibbs to like just let the let, let the kids play that it's it's really disheartening that no moves were made yeah so like now it's okay that means that probably one of Grimes or Reddish won't play if Rose comes back and Burks is starting at point. So that's even worse. I mean, so like, it's it's Reddish, right? T- yeah, it t- has t- to be Reddish. Tibbs, Tibbs loves Grimes. So now you're gonna do like Rose, IQ, Grimes, OB. Nope. Oh, oh, oh. That's just confusing to me. But I mean, like, just take a lineup like quickly: Grimes, RJ, Randall, Mitch. That lineup's played like twenty minutes this year, and that should that that probably should be the starting lineup. And the the actual starting lineup, the one with Kemba, has played like five hundred minutes. Like these discrepancies, just oh man, they just make no sense, and they're so yeah. unbelievably frustrating. Like I wonder if they like maybe buy out Kemba and like. But why would you buy him out? Like I don't know. Like, I, I don't. Anyway. I'm trying to like justify this because like I, I have no idea. The, they're not going. They're not going to buy any of these guys out because their best bet to do anything in this offseason is having them it's as expiring sign, salary sign and deal trades. with it. Then that's their best yeah. bet. I, I'm thinking they're probably going like they think they could get something yeah, inside. Sign trade. trade or you just dump the contracts. 
or just dump the contracts. You attach a few picks or whatever, dump yeah, uh, Kemba and the, the offseason has an expiring salary. Yeah, you, you can do that. But like, they, I just, Tibbs is so fucking rigid that I really struggle to buy the idea that he's going to just lean into playing the young guys because he hasn't done it. He hasn't done it like at all this year, you know, like he's sitting there starting Kemba Walker and the guy, I mean, look, I'll shit on him, but like he has no chance. Why are you putting him out there? Especially as if they put him out there tonight, Steph Curry is going to end his career on national television today. That's what's going to happen. Oh, we're on national TV tonight. <laughs> oh, I think boy. it is. I don't know. Oh boy. I'll, I'll no, check. No, I think no, it's it actually, it, it is. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna end his fucking career then on local TV markets. Um, the the, so the late game that. is Bucks Suns. The Rockets just, wait and it's freedom. Yeah, well, fuck him. Um, <laughs> but like, I just my head hurts actually thinking about like I have to sit. Like, are we really going to spend the rest of the year starting Burks and Fournier with RJ whenever he gets back? And Randall and Mitch, like that's so pointless. Like, I understand having one of those guys in the starting lineup. Having both is so fucking pointless to anything you're trying to achieve today or next year or two years from now or whatever. It is so. And I gotta say, I'm gonna say this. I don't care what anybody thinks about this. I think Tibbs is a coach. If you look at it, I think he has this very weird ability. To when he wins games and shit, when his teams are doing well, he gets all of this credit and praise. And I think he deserves it. I think he absolutely deserves it. But when he loses, then it's, oh, well, he doesn't have a point guard. Oh, well, Randall's having a bad season. Oh, RJ struggled for a month. Oh, quickly he's not a point guard. Oh, Obi can't start because he's fucking 38 or something. Like, None of it, it, there's always these bullshit excuses for him. But what I'll tell you is the, is a fact. The Knicks young guys right now, they are much better than what their perception is around the NBA. And they're much better than what they're probably being valued at. And I think it was telling that, what was it, a week or two ago, Zach Lowe said on his pod that teams were trying to poach. That, that was the word he used, poach quickly. What does it mean to poach? That means that you're trying to buy low on something because you think it is essentially being misused, right? You're trying to get a, a bargain. What that tells me is that teams look at this roster and they probably look at young guys on this roster and they think you put them in a different system, a, a, a an offensive system that involves more ball and player movement, that's more cohesive, that give them opportunities to sink or swim without having to look over their shoulder, that they expect that they would get more out of those players. That's what that tells me. And I think Tibbs, if he stays as a coach and he stays as rigid as he's been and he doesn't adjust how his team plays offensively um, beyond just picking up the pace, but like actual schematic adjustments, tactical adjustments, sets that are designed differently to get more cohesive team play going on. If he doesn't do that, the Knicks are going to sit here and they're going to watch the value of their young players be much lower and the perception of the young players be much lower than they are. And if, and when a star does want out and the Knicks want to throw their hand in the ring, they're not going to have the juice because they have a coach who is basically like putting a governor on this team's engine. You know, 
like that's what I fundamentally think is that if nothing changes, then the Knicks are fucking themselves over. Um, and that is a huge problem because I like the young guys on this team a lot. I like RJ Barrett. I like quickly. I like Obi. I like Grimes a shit ton. I think Deuce, if he gets minutes, will produce. I think Mitch is producing. I think Mitch is potentially taking the leap that we thought he was going to make that it looked like he was making at the end of last year. I think he's making that leap right now. That's six guys right there. If you want to take out Deuce, that's five. That's a starting five. That is a starting five. And if by the end of this year, we're still sitting here like, well, quickly can't start because he's just not built for it. No, Obi can't start because well, he can't rebound. Like, if we, find out, find the fuck out. If you don't find out, right. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear shit about, like, oh, it can't happen if we never try it because that's bullshit. Like, if you, a month ago, the same fucking idiots were saying that Grimes can't start because Grimes isn't ready or whatever. Guess what? Turns out Grimes is perfectly ready for the NBA and that he can't mm-hmm. start. And he probably should be fucking starting. So, like, this bullshit of just buying into, like, well, it can't be the case because why else would it not be happening? You see this all the time around the NBA. Coaches are not perfect p- talent evaluators. Front offices are not perfect tr- talent evaluators. So I don't need to... This appeal to authority is a bullshit argument. And I think in this case, it's actually holding back the Knicks' young players from showing exactly how good they can be and maybe already are. Yeah, well, two two quick things on what you just said. One, Tibbs, I think... I mean, I, I think it's abundantly obvious, is a, is a bad judge of talent, straight up. I mean, he literally had a top position uh, for a, you know, in a basketball organization and made piss poor decisions. I mean, he, he technically speaking, got the Timberwolves back to the playoffs for the first time in forever. But I mean, where have they been since he left? <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's not, you know, it's mostly because like he put together kind of a shit roster that underachieved given the price that they gave up to get to there and then was, you know, got a seven seed and then was back to sucking the next year. Um, so I don't think he's a great judge of talent at all, but the other thing is, you know, to, to get to your point about the, the, the weird preconceived notions about guys, like the one of the main ones is, is always like, well, uh, Obi Toppin, the way that he plays, he plays so fast and so hard. He can't play that for more than 10 minutes or else he's going to run out of gas. Like, that's bullshit too. Like we've literally seen OB play 30 something minutes and look good in it, you know, in the games that Randall had to be out like for COVID. Uh, so I don't understand that line of thinking either. And it's, it's really annoying. I mean, it's, it sucks that like, like Jeff, you rail on this all the time in, in game recaps and stuff, but like a lot of nights, OB and Randall will be their two best players. And because Tibbs is a dumb shit, that can't possibly imagine a world where something that worked like three times, four times, whatever, earlier in the season, literally won them the season opener playing Obi and Randall together, you know, like day one of the season that won you a game. And there's no denying that there's no spinning that like literally that decision won them that game. And yet ever since then, it's, it's just been, he's, he's so vehemently opposed to, to ever playing the, together and it leads to oftentimes one of the two most effective players on the team on any given night only playing like 12 minutes because he can only spell Julius for 12 minutes and that's the only time he's allowed to play it's very stupid and the and and the reasons that they give are even are, are total bullshit and they, they don't they don't actually they're not actually real 
the I posted the other day from the Strickland account or from my account. I forget which one. Obi is in the 92nd percentile of opponents' field goal percentage at the of at the rim. So it's not like he's just and, and and I'm not saying he's Noel as a rim protector. I know he's not, but this idea that he's this total sieve who we, we would get killed if him and Randall played together is just not a real thing. And then you combine that with the fact that we rebound way better with Obi on the court. And then we, we rebound way worse with Noel on the court. Nobody has a bigger, let me find the stat. Nobody has a bigger at difference of team rebound percentage with them on and with them off than Noel. If I, yeah, he's okay, like, so can we just talk? Noel has been fucking awful. Like there's no, we don't need to sugarcoat it. He has been fucking terrible. Are he's you not healthy. Worst? He's not healthy. I don't, That's it. Even like, when he's healthy, he's not doing anything. And forget the health part of it. He he does not play the scheme. He just fucking stands there this year. He has this habit this year of standing there and just watching guys go to the rim. And he's just like watching. And that's it. Doesn't even try to contest it. Doesn't try to move over. His screens, I Tyrese can set a stronger screen than Nerlens Noel, 100%. There's no question. <laughs> Like I could set a better screen than Nerlens Noel just just because I have a gut. I could probably set a better fucking screen than Nerlens Noel. Like he is a fucking joke. He's been terrible this year. And I will say this: like I defended um, one. Fred Katz had a good tweet. He basically said like the Knicks signed all these guys, and they said they're value contracts. Part of value is being able to trade them. Not much value out there. Hundred percent correct. He should. He is absolutely right. I was hundred percent wrong about a lot of the contracts they signed. Uh, in particular. I was okay with the Noel contract. I do think, obviously, if he was healthy, he would look better. But I was okay with the Noel contract, even though I didn't really want him back at all. But I think this just shows you should never give a multi-year deal to backup centers. It is the easiest market to find value in consistently year to year. You can churn through those guys without any problem. You don't need to sign any of them to multi-year deals. And most of the time when you do, it turns out terrible. Um, I argued against that i was wrong and nerland's oil has been awful and his contract is just sitting here now um what doing whatever it does and brock Aller's spreadsheet and the knicks still have to make these decisions come the end of the end of the year they have to find a way to move these guys on and it's fine to sit here and say you don't want to give up value and i understand that um i think that's a reasonable stance to take but at some point you have to be aggressive and make shit happen. And if that time wasn't this deadline, it sure shit better be this offseason. And even though these guys are still here, again, as we've all been harping on, they don't need to play. Because all they all that needs to happen is they get their fucking paycheck. That's it. They're not owed a fucking thing else. Nobody on this sad sack piece of shit team that's 24 and 31 that's been in the rotation the entire year deserves anything more than a fucking paycheck. That's all they deserve. They don't deserve... Anything else? Nerlens Noel? What the fuck does he deserve? A cookie? Like, nothing. He doesn't deserve shit. Kemba, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out, you absolute loser. Like, you can get lost. All these guys. All these guys should be fucking embarrassed by their play this year. Their effort. Their fucking, you know, just game-to-game effort has been atrocious for most of the season. Uh, You know, you got instances of guys just going like, you know, Nerlens, this guy has no idea what he's doing on defense half the time, which is incredible, because when he's healthy, he can get away with it, but when he's not, this is what we get. We get a fucking absolute moron playing the five who can't do shit other than like, randomly poke the ball away from somebody every now and then. Um, 
So all these guys, you know, I don't care. They're not owed anything other than a fucking paycheck. Do you do you think that we know we know unequivocally that Tibbs loves Taj? Do you think the fact that Noel, when he's able to play, is viewed by Tibbs by Tibbs ahead of Taj in the depth uh, in the in the rotation? Is that a sign that? maybe the front office has more influence over rotations than we think, because it's clear to like everyone and it's, and all the metrics show it, all the stats that even Taj is like meaningfully better than Noel. So like, is it possible that like, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with, I a hundred percent agree with you. Taj is just better. He's, and a lot of it is like ancillary or intangible stuff. Like his ability to catch the ball and do stuff from five feet. Like it makes sense He's more, he's more uh, sound defensively. He doesn't really, he's never really in the wrong spot. He has elite wingspan. He has really good instincts. He tries really hard. Like, so I feel like if Tibbs had his way, it would just be Mitch and Taj, right? Or is, is that wrong? I think, I, I think that like Tibbs really took a liking to Noel last year. I mean, just because Tibbs like has had like a love affair with his favorite Bulls guys for the last like 15 years doesn't mean that he can't find like some new favorites now and again. And so like, yeah, I think, I think he probably, I mean, as much as Tibbs sucks, like we were just talking about the RJ stuff, you know, like keeping him in the game, you know, till the final two minutes, till he gets an ankle sprain, all this other shit. Like as much as that stuff sucks with him playing guys too many minutes, I do think that there is probably some level of understanding between him and Taj of like Taj being like, bro, I'm like 40 years old. Like I can't be out here playing like 30 minutes a night anymore. Like, I gave you a really good year last year and you guys paid me to reward me, but like, please just keep me like the third option here. <laughs> I, I think that probably has something to do with it. I mean, they are boys ultimately, you know what I mean? Like him and him and Taj. So that's my working theory. I mean, I feel like that, but he definitely loves Noel too. I mean, he speaks really highly of him. And I mean, honestly, like Noel was great last year and this year I, I do think that it's, it's mostly that. And then this is another Tibbs thing. You know what I mean? That where, just because he's cleared the play use your fucking eyeballs and like see like he is not good like his knee is bothering him like his whole game is based off timing verticality athleticism you know like lateral mobility you know like all this shit that noel can't do if his knee is bugging him and tibbs looks at him and says well but like if you're healthy enough to play and you say you're good then i'm definitely gonna play you it's like no bro like you gotta you gotta use your brain sometimes use your eyeballs and say hey Noel doesn't look too good tonight. Maybe I ought to play Taj. Maybe I ought to sit Noel for like a week, even if he's technically medically cleared, and just explain to him, like, look, man, we really want you to get right because we don't think that you're putting forth the, you know, the best product that you can put out there right now. And that's like the Tibbs problem. Like, he, he seems to have these blinders for like, even if guys are hurt and clearly not playing well, if they're like one of his guys, one of his good vets, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care if you're, if you're out there playing with a, a walking boot on, like, I'll throw you out there for 20 minutes tonight. Cause you know, like you're one of my dudes. So it's fine. Like Noel is literally, there, there's no, there, there's no way Jericho Sims hasn't just been like busting his ass all year in practice. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. But he's no young, way. but he's yeah. young and he's not and, like, and, you know, he, but like, this is why Tibbs is so incredibly frustrating because mm-hmm. when it's going right, then all of the logic to his decisions, like I can follow them and they make sense. Like it, it's fine. I understand it. But when it goes wrong, then his rigidity and his devotion to these, like, as you, you know, these, whatever, the guys he trusts is just stupid and it has no logic. Like, 
if you're worried that Jericho Sims is going to fuck up on defense sometimes and not know where he's supposed to be and doesn't box out the best and all these kind of things, I, those are valid concerns if you're winning. When you're not winning, they're not valid concerns because especially not when Nerlens is playing the way he is because he's not playing well on defense. He's not protecting the rim very well. He's definitely sure should not rebounding very well. He can't do anything. He can't catch the ball. The, I can't believe this motherfucker called for a lob. He called for the lob and then fumbled <laughs> the ball out of bounds. That's a real thing that happened in a game. Like, that's what this fucking guy did. Multiple games. And you're trying to tell me, Jer- yeah, like, but you're trying to tell me Jericho Sims can't replicate this version of Nerlens Noel. I find that that's it's actually not possible. I, I don't think he'll fumble the lob. I think that's the good part. But he won't fumble he, the lob. He won't fumble the lob. He won't get completely destroyed in the post. Like, look, did Jokic do work on Jericho Sims? Yeah, absolutely, because it's fucking Nikola Jokic. Like, yep. But like, he didn't bully him around. He didn't push him around like that. He did a better job on him than I thought Dodge did. Jer- Jericho Dodge bullied- stop fouling him. Jericho mm-hmm. bullied him for like an offensive rebound. And it's like, could the dude is six nine two fifty? Like, I would give that a shot. So. Yeah, yeah. It's dude, just, Jer- Jericho. It's- is, I mean, honestly, I think that he just needs to. Like, I think the biggest thing with Jericho is just like, as far as Tibbs is concerned, he doesn't have everything a hundred percent down yet. And it's like, but Tibbs, the team sucks ass. Maybe just put him out there and let him figure out this shit this year. Like. Jericho could be an awesome player. Like he could, he could literally provide, you know, like a, 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 a like light version of what Mitch gives you. If you, if you just give him the time and the energy to, you know, like let him figure it out in the NBA, like getting him G league reps and shit is not going to fix anything at this point. Like, and giving Taj minutes or it's, Noel it's, minutes. It's about, it's about the fact that I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. So, uh, I was just going to say, it's it's about the fact that Tibbs is all about the devil he knows versus the one he doesn't know. And it's, uh, Macri said it a bunch last year when, like, literally every post game he had to deal with, why the fuck is Alfred Payton still playing? Why the fuck is Alfred Payton still playing? And he always just leaned back on, well, because Thibodeau knows what he's going to get from Alfred Payton. And I always really hated that logic now i'm not saying that he was wrong like because he's way more tuned into the situation than i am so he's probably right about that being tibbs's thinking but if that is right if if the if he's right that that's tibbs thinking i really hate that line of thinking because it's really short-sighted and it's it's almost like too hands-on and being too much of a control freak i uh in in the last recap i i wrote that it it's underrating that these things have ramifications beyond the year. It's almost overvaluing the moment. Um, and you just use that example again. When me, Schwinn, and Stacy did the Eastern Conference preview this year, Schwinn made a really good point, and he said, and we talked about it for a few minutes, he said, there's a reason that we all viewed Kemba Walker, view Kemba Walker as a massive upgrade without having seen him play a game for the Knicks. And that's because he is an upgrade over Alfred Payton. We're comparing him to Alfred Payton. But if Tibbs just made the change that everyone wanted him to make last season, is there a single Knicks fan? Is there a single Knicks fan who, if Emmanuel quickly started the last half of last season, if he started the last half of last season, then we went into this offseason and Leon Rose was like, surprise, Kemba Walker coming off a knee injury, we all would be like, fuck is he going to start over quickly we all we the the 
how we viewed that signing would have been viewed completely differently. And it all started with Tibbs living in the moment last season. And we're doing it again. Everything, every move we make this off season is going to be viewed through the lens of, is it an upgrade over Alec Burks? Is it an up? It, like, we don't know if quickly, we still don't know what we're doing with quickly. If he has any chemistry with RJ and Randall, we still don't know if Obi can play with Randall and this shit has long-term ramifications that we can't even think of right now. So I really don't like this whole, Oh, well, I know what I'm going to get from these guys. So I have to keep riding them. Like, it's just, there's so much wrong with it that it bothers me. I mean, we know what we're getting from them. Jack shit. We're 24 and 31. Like this is why it's just, it's a stupid fucking argument anyway. Like, Oh, well, tips trust them. Okay. Well, you know, I, I, what does that mean? Like tips trust, trust the them to tips trust them to steer the Titanic into the iceberg, you know? And, <laughs> like yeah, good and, vets. Uh, good vets. And you know, like look, like whatever people want to say about Fournier, I think he's actually been saying like if you listen to his press conferences, I think he says he hints at a lot of I think it's very obvious he's not the biggest fan of Tom Thibodeau, by the way. I think that's very clear when you listen to him talk. Um but he's talked consistently about how they need to blend their offense together. They need to keep the ball moving play together he constantly says the same exact things very very carefully all the time and like basketball at its core is not a super complex game right like we like we make it into what it is but like it's not like a very complex game you need to outscore the other team you can do that in two ways right you're good at scoring the ball and you're good at stopping them from your opponent from scoring the ball the knicks Got guys this offseason who are good at scoring the ball. Elf, uh, Evan Fournier is good at scoring the ball. Is he great? Is he amazing? Is he an elite shooting guard? No, but he's perfectly good at scoring the basketball. Kemba Walker, that was a dud. I don't know if they didn't do their due diligence or what happened, but whatever it is, I don't think it's a huge mistake. They fucked up. It's a bad signing. Whatever. Doesn't really matter. I think the offensive talent on this team is much better than, what is it, 25th or something like that, I think, in the league right now. That's their offensive rating. Um, I think it's better than that. I do... Is it hard to be much better than that with Julius having the season he had? Sure. But it's very hard to watch this team and feel like they have hit their ceiling offensively and there's just no more they can do. And on top of that, the defense, which has picked up from where it started the year. It has picked up. I think they're like top seven or eight or something like, over the last 50 yeah. or 40 games. They, it's, they're, they're, they've been pretty good for like the last 25, 30 games. Um, so I, I do think there's that, but like he is coaching this team, this roster, this talent that has, you, you don't have Bullock anymore. You brought in Fournier. You don't have Elford anymore. You're for some reason starting Kemba. And then you did start Burke, Burks previously. You have a young player in RJ Barrett who clearly wants to take the next step in his career. Okay. You have guys like Quickly and Obi who work their ass off in the offseason to get better. And they probably want the the freedom and the uh responsibilities given to them by their coach to do more than they are doing. You have a kid in Grimes who is clearly ready to be a solid 20, 25-minute-a-night rotation player at minimum today in the NBA, starting from day one. You have these guys. And, like, what... 
I don't like he's coaching this team like everybody is the same from what they were last year, and that is just not how basketball works. Teams evolve, players evolve, players develop, changes are made. If you are coaching this team like Evan Fournier should be used, like Reggie Bullock, guess what's going to happen? People are going to be pissed at Evan Fournier because he's not Reggie Bullock. He's not, and why would like that's why you signed him? You signed him because he's not Reggie Bullock. You wanted to get the things that he does well because that cost you in the playoffs. Now, do I think that if they optimized Fournier to the fullest, that that would fundamentally change the team? Not necessarily, but it's a it's a micro point of information. And if you look across the roster, it says the same things. He's treating quickly right now, like quickly is the same player he was from last year. He's treating Obi right now like Obi is the same player like he was from last year. He treated RJ like RJ was the same player he was last from last year until until injuries forced his hand and he had to start giving RJ more usage and more initiating reps when Randall was out and Kemba was out and Burks was out for a bit. Like that's what it took. It was and that was literally on the first time that we saw that was December 31st, the New Year's Eve game against Oklahoma City. That's the first time we saw that. Had not the entire year before the, before that. If you go look at it, go look at his shooting splits before that date and after that date. He was taking most of his shots from three. Most of his shots were assisted attempts off ball. They were not. They he so he treated R.J. Barrett, the third overall pick, who needs to be, you know, if he is not a foundational piece for this team, that's a huge step back for us in our long term progression development as a team. He didn't even give that the the light of day until he had to okay and that's what it took for him to get rj barrett the role that he's been playing in recently and i think i think we would all say that we've benefited from him being in recently and so my point is tibbs is showing you right now he cannot evolve or he does not evolve or he will not evolve or he doesn't want to evolve it really doesn't fucking matter what the answer is because unless he does it then we will continue to have the same issues of, as Jeff put it, we are trying to replace Alec Burks. Instead of finding out, do we already have Alec Burks' replacement in Quentin Grimes? Or is Cam Reddish able to step into Alec Burks' role? Which I'm not bullish about, by the way, but you traded a first-round fucking pick for the guy, you should probably find out. You know, um, Can Deuce McBride be an option at point guard? I don't know. I don't know. I, Prez is very, very bullish on him. I genuinely don't know. But guess what? Nobody knows because he won't fucking try it. Like mm-hmm. can quickly be can is quickly could quickly and, and McBride be a starting uh backcourt next to RJ and Randall and Mitch. I don't know. Do you guys have any idea? Because I don't, because we've never fucking seen it. Like there's so many things. Like the nice thing about all the young guys in this team that I really like about them is they seem very easy to play together. And I don't like, there's not one of them that I would look at and be like, well, he can't play with him. There's not one that I look at and say that like Mitch is probably the most rigid out of all of them, but he's a five. So he can play with all those guys, right? There's no like, oh, well, Mitch can't play with fucking Deuce McBride. Like, no, there's none of that. But all the perimeter guys and Obi, like you can pick any grouping of them. And I feel with some confidence, you could be like, yeah, they can all big play together. Why would they not? Like, there's nothing about their games that you would say that doesn't that they can't play together. Are there going to be deficiencies? Do we need more dribble penetration and rim pressure and all these things? Sure. But like you can still find out information about them. Even if you still have deficiencies in other areas, fucking hell, we're doing it right now with all the vets. 
we have deficiencies as a defensive backcourt. We have deficiencies in Kemba Walker being able to dribble the fucking ball. Um, we have deficiencies in scoring, whatever it is. Like, but you are refusing to find out what these young kids could do together and what options they bring. And and I I a hundred percent agree with Jeff. I think that if you don't do that you run the risk of, again, going into this offseason and you view everything through the lens of exactly how Tom Thibodeau has presented the information. He's like a fucking lawyer laying out an argument and and hiding the facts that don't suit his case. Like, you know, like you're just fucking yourself over if you allow that to happen. And I hope that the front office doesn't because I, I you're, you're talking about another potentially a wasted year for some of these guys. Um you know, maybe not so much like specifically for Obi. I think more so than anybody else, this is a wasted year right now for him. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> what else do you even say to that? It's it's totally true because you know they're just the it, it. It all just comes back to like the front office needs to basically if they're going to sit on their hands and not trade these guys off uh, during this trade deadline, then they have to give Tibbs some sort of ultimatum about you know either play the kids or get the fuck out, you know, like you'll be out as soon as this off season, if not sooner. I mean, honestly, if we hit two weeks from now and Tibbs was still putting out the same lineups, if I was Leon Rose, I would say, all right, buddy, we tried like to sort of give you directives here. So like, here's a hard line thing. If you don't trot out these players for this amount of minutes in the next game, so we can start seeing what we have in these guys, then you're fired like tomorrow. And we'll just promote Johnny Bryant, who we, we always kind of, you know, it, they hired Johnny Bryant without clearing it by Tibbs anyway and sort of made it like, you know, Johnny Bryant, Kenny Payne, Mike Woodson were guys that they said, we want to put a support system that we have chosen in around you. But it also probably said at least a little bit like these are other guys that we trust to potentially lead this team someday other than you. Because, you know, if things don't work out, we need a backup plan. So, you know, if they say whatever, Johnny Bryant, interim coach the rest of the year, here's your tryout. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it if Tibbs – you know, goes five, six more games doing the same shit over and over again. The question is, are the, is the Knicks front office going to have the stones to do anything about it? Answer, probably no. But anyway, I think I'm going to duck. I know I'm only, I made it almost to the finish line here, but I need to eat something. I haven't eaten like all day. So I'm going to yeah. bounce and leave you guys. But uh, it was fun. Yeah, I think we can call it. I don't think there's anything else to say because the yeah. Knicks absolutely did absolutely nothing. So yeah, right. Um, what are we discussing at this point? We're just gonna keep bitching. <laughs> how, let, how let down we are. Yeah. Yes, exactly. All right, uh, all right, guys. This is actually fun and cathartic in some ways. Uh, it's been a blast. Hope everybody has a great evening and enjoys watching the Knicks get fucking curb stomped by the Warriors. <laughs> and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're. I'm gonna parrot a tweet I saw. I, I forget who who I saw tweet it, but. Uh, the starting lineup with RJ out could potentially be the Tibbs fucking orgasm lineup of Fournier, Burks, uh, uh, Taj, Randall, and Kemba. Just the all vet, the all vet lineup of Kemba. Yeah, Kemba, Fournier, Burks, Randall, Taj, which would be just like a perfect summation of what what this is. Like, if that's the starting lineup we roll out tonight, it's just like nothing symbolizes this catastrophe more than that can't wait to go yeah. against the warriors too. Spoon, baby yeah, against, <laughs> oh, against, oh. against the uh, warriors too the fastest like one of the fastest most ball movement player movement teams in the league should be a blast all right guys uh thanks everybody that was uh joined in with us 
but have a great evening. We'll see you guys soon. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts. Yes.